Hi everyone. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, exciting. We've got a very, very exciting adventure tonight. <laughs> this is going to help pull the, pull the curtain on the ego big time, like in The Wizard of Oz, you know, we're just going to pull the curtain on this ego. And for some of you, you know that we've had some great movies, you know, Liar Liar and uh, the Adjustment Bureau and just a whole string of great movies. And, and we're leading into our weekend coming up uh, this weekend, Beyond the Body. So we're really relying on these movies as like very strong reminders to our mind to give us the answer, like the problems that we have perceived in time and space, you know, the, the sickness issues, the, the financial issues, the interpersonal struggles and conflicts, the, the struggles that we have perceived, like when we, if we watch the news or we we look around us, it seems like this life of time and space is just fraught with all kinds of problems. And Einstein had said, you know, you can't solve the problem at the level of the problem. And so it's no wonder that, that these same issues keep repeating over after over, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year decade after decade, century after century. It's like this is what we call the human condition, a, a plethora, a multitude of problems on many different levels. On, some are at the psychic level, some are more at the emotional level, some are more at the personal level, some are more at the interpersonal level, some are more at the family level or the neighborly level, some are at the societal level. Some are at the global level. Um, I mean, with science you even get, you know, things that are much more, like what would be a problem that would be like at a solar system level? Most of the times we don't talk about a solar system level, but everybody knows like the sun has these flares that come and, uh, you know, they've even done movies of, of giant flares coming of radiation coming off of the sun and basically knocking out all of our communications and um, some of you saw the movie Knowing. Uh, that movie was a giant solar flare basically wiping out, incinerating Earth in a matter of uh, seconds. So that would be an example of a solar system issue. <laughs> a, giant, a giant solar flare. Most people don't think about it in the, that on their daily day, day basis. You know, you're Maya, you're going to your meetings, or you're doing work, and this and this. You don't think of a solar flare just wiping the whole planet out in 15 seconds. That's probably not one of your thoughts. But, what I'm saying is, Jesus is telling us in the Course that you can't accept the solution or the correction until you correctly identify the problem. And the problem is one of of separation. It's the belief in separation from God is the, the one problem and it's already been solved. But you can't accept the correction until you, you realize that that's the only problem. And that's in the mind. So, so we look at the world and from the human perspective 
you know, that sounds very philosophical. That sounds like, like some kind of ontological uh, equation. What? Belief in separation from God? You, you know what I mean? When I'm hungry, it's not really my hunger, it's the separation from God. You mean when, when I run out of money and I can't pay my bills, that's the separation from God. When I have a symptom on my body, that's the separation from God. When I have a conflict with my neighbor or my spouse or my friend, that's the separation from God. The whole mind training of A Course in Miracles is to bring everything back to start to realize that it's a mental problem and the problem is just a belief. And that belief has already been corrected. Now how do we come at that? Right before this movie tonight, I was, I was having a flash of all these great movies. Some of you have been on our Movie Watchers Guide to Enlightenment or followed along for some years. So you know, we, everybody knows Groundhog Day. And what about the butterfly effect? And what about um, Looper? And, and what about Chances Are? And what about Deja Vu? Uh, the Jaglum movie. And on and on and on. We tend to draw forth movies in our collection that basically show us that everything that we perceive that is still happening, like this movie gathering, that, that this is just a different form and that in one sense, we've all, be, all been here before, we've already done this, we're just doing it again, as if we're doing it for the first time, but we're just watching something that's already happened. And Jesus is saying, you are mentally reviewing what has already gone by. All the reasons we get upset, just think of them as you're in your daily life. All the reasons that you seem to get upset are all the projection of separation onto the world. Because he's saying in lessons five, six, and seven, I'm never upset for the reason I think. Six, I'm upset because I see something that's not there. Seven, I see only the past. So we have this mesmerism, this strange sleep going on where we actually think every day is a new day. We don't really look at it as, a, oh, it's the same old, same old, just rehashing again. I mean, sometimes you do feel that way when you get up and you brush your teeth and you take a shower and you have your morning coffee and you go do what you do or you work. You know, it's the same repetitive pattern that repeats over and over and over. Some of you might remember <clears throat> that movie Chances Are. I think that that theme song from Chances Are is so powerful. It's, it's Cher and Peter Cetera. And, and basically in that song that they sing, it's such a beautiful song, but they say, every memory repeats. Every step I take retreats. Every journey always brings me back to you. And I always think that that's just God singing through Cher and Peter Cetera. That if you only knew the context of time and space, if you could have a bigger view, a bigger picture of the context of time and space, you would instantly recognize these patterns of, of hiding away from God. You would instantly recognize all the defense mechanisms. You would instantly see the same, making the same mistake over and over and over. 
let's suppose you could look at, let's say you could look at like 20 past lives back to back to back. Or maybe even some 10 past lives and 10 future lives. Suppose you could have like a pull back and look at 10 past lives and 10 future lives. Then you could start to see these nuances and these patterns that are just egoic defenses that keep playing out over, we'll say, lifetimes. Uh, some of you have heard of uh, past life regressions. I think our friend Sherry Mosley I saw, she was just writing on Facebook today, oh David I'm not going to be able to make it, she was doing swimming today. But she's, she's done some past life regressions and memory regressions, but let's suppose you went into a past life regression specialist and they hypnotized you and they showed you under hypnosis your last 20 lifetimes. And and what happened in those 20 lifetimes. Not just generally, but they showed you in detail what happened in those lifetimes, so-called lifetimes. You would start to see patterns emerging and you would go, wow this is very helpful. I mean, how can you stop repeating the same mistakes if you don't even know what those mistakes are? You've heard people say, even in one lifetime, I married an alcoholic five times in a row. I've heard people I do counseling with, they go, what are the chances? What are the chances of, of, of being married five times to an alcoholic each time? Like, like they, they, it's so mysterious, like how could I m marry an alcoholic five times? You'd think I would learn something from my first time or my second time, but these patterns are egoic and it's tied into linear time. Remember, the ego invented linear time to keep the mind asleep. The ego invented linear time to keep guilt perpetuating and you don't wake up to nirvana or the kingdom of heaven with guilt. So time is at the root of it all. Time is at the bottom of it all. And yet from the human perspective it's almost like you, you can't, you just don't have enough of the full context of what the patterns are. And if you could see the patterns for what they are, you would, you would go, hmm, very insightful, and then you would start to notice that, that this belief in time is just replaying these same pseudo-issues over and over and over, lifetime after lifetime. Now there, some of you, has anybody uh, studied like astrology? You know, or has anybody looked into the Enneagram? Um, there's a lot of tools uh, that are available that help you get in touch with some of these patterns. Astrology is a science. Um, you, the Enneagram is a science. These are, are tools that basically help you. Even if you go to psychics and psychics start to tell you some of the things that have happened in your life or some of the things that they see through the cards or uh, it could be through tarot cards or through runes or through a lot of different devices. But basically, numerology. Has anybody looked into numerology? You know, th that's a science too. But all of these things are sciences about time and space. Because human beings are fascinated about the patterns. Like, wow, Jesus, if I could see my patterns, if you could help me see my patterns, you could help me escape the patterns. But right now it seems like, oh, I got fired from my job, I'm looking for another job. Oh, I broke up with a partner, uh, I'm grieving. 
Oh, my, uh, my father died and my mother died. I'm, I'm grieving. You see how with the blinders on, the loss and the hurt and the depression and the grief seems to be because of events that are happening to us as human beings in time and space. So some of you might be familiar with the, the psychologist uh, Carl Jung. Carl Jung talked a lot about the unconscious mind and he called it the shadow. And in A Course in Miracles, Jesus says that you have two parts to your dream and both of these parts are identical. So, okay, that's helpful. There's two parts to my dream. I thought it was one dream, but no, you're saying it's, it's two parts, but it's the same dream. It's the same guilt. It's the same darkness. And one is the dream that you dream in secret. And you have no awareness at all of this dream. This is a, this is, he calls it a secret dream. You know, like you're playing a game on yourself and you've got one huge secret and this core belief in separation from God is, is in this secret dream. It's, it's, it's the dream that you dream in secret. It's so dark. He says it's draped with sin. That's how dark it is. It's so dark that you made a, a mask to cover it over. You made a face of innocence. You made a world, a dream world, that is the dream, he says, the dream that you gave away as if it's happening to you. So, everyone on the planet, it wouldn't matter if you interviewed people, if you could, from centuries ago, they would, sell, they would tell you the same thing. I was going along in life and then this happened to me, and then this, and then this, and my wife left me, and then I got injured, and I got sick. You know, right now we're going through a pandemic. Has, has anybody looked into history and seen that there are a lot of plagues and pandemics throughout human history. This is just a modern day pandemic. This isn't, this isn't quite like the plague, the, the, the Black Plague, at least at this point. But let's suppose that it did turn into something like that. Let's suppose instead of uh, hundreds of thousands of people dying, let's say there were millions. No, let's go billions. Let's say that this plague that's just starting right now is going to run out and it's going to end up taking just for a hypothetical example, 4.5 billion people off the planet. Just run it out. Let's just really go for a big hypothetical. Now, until you get in touch with the secret dream, the dream that you dream in secret, the unconscious darkness and guilt, Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter if it's playing out like you're living this beautiful, material, abundant, where they've solved poverty, they've solved war, they've solved disease, and, and there's, we'll say, nine billion people all singing, like in the Coke commercial, like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony, and they're la, 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 live for today. You know, billions of people happy together, loving one another, and, and greeting one another and everything. And, and Jesus is like, well, that's one form of the dream that you gave away. And another form could be 4.5 billion people get wiped out uh, from COVID. <laughs> you start off and nobody takes COVID very seriously and then all of a sudden 
it just starts to escalate and escalate and escalate, and then you're, you're in there with your Course in Miracle book. Okay, better go back to lesson number one. Nothing I see means anything. As there's just death and devastation in a massive scale. It's like the, the great plague from centuries ago multiplied, and it's like a 20th century massive plague. If there was a, if 4.5 billion people died, that that bomb that just went off in Beirut, that killed 73 people or something like this. Imagine 4.5 billion. Just imagine a, a, a different scale, you know. And it would still come down to you're still practicing your Course in Miracles lessons, and you're still praying to Jesus, wake me up from this world. Wake me up from this nightmare. Wake me up from this dream. No matter how good it gets or how bad it gets, Jesus is telling us that a projection is neither good or bad. You know, people do ask me that a lot too. They say, is the world getting worse, David, or is the world getting better? And, and believe me, to the Holy Spirit, this world is just neutral. It's been totally neutralized because of the atonement. It was corrected the instant it arose, and the whole point of forgiveness is to go into your mind, into that stillness, and accept the correction. And it doesn't matter how seeming bad you judge the world is, or how seeming good you judge the world is, because the good and the bad judgments are still projections too. This isn't about trying to just eliminate negative thinking. This is actually about eliminating positive and negative thinking. Because positive thinking still has an opposite. And forgiveness equally forgives positive thinking and negative thinking. So when you're on the human scale, you may think, I want to think positive thoughts because I want to have a better worldly life, a better earthly life. A, a, a much better earthly life. I want an abundant life. I want, I, you can think of all the things. You know, I want to live in a nice house. I want to have a nice car. I want to have a good relationship. I want to have a healthy body. And da 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 da. And Jesus is saying, that's not really the purpose of this course. This course is to help you wake up from perception. This, and go back to the light. This course is to help you see that there's no difference between positive judgments and negative judgments because they both reinforce the same thing. Now the movie tonight, the reason I think we're all going to be so thrilled to see this movie is because the main character, he, he has a profession. And the reason he has this profession is <clears throat> even though his dad was a, a pilot, even though he always wanted to be a pilot, he has a fear of flying. So instead of being a pilot and flying the big jumbo jets, you know, like, like his, in his dad's footsteps and so on and so forth, he has a fear of flying and he works as, guess what, an air traffic controller. Talk about a, a professor who's afraid of teaching. Here's someone who comes from a, a family of pilots and who's an air traffic controller because he's too afraid to get up in the planes, so he would rather direct the planes in taking them off and, and landing. And he's got a job, he's got a career, and then he also uh, has a pretty regimented life, but he also starts to see patterns. He is having, 
a Shirley MacLaine moment uh, with he starts to see past patterns. He sees patterns all around. And these patterns are like a gift from the Holy Spirit. He starts to notice patterns. He starts to get this deep inner feeling that nothing is at random and that there is a point to all these patterns. The point, of course, for all of us for seeing patterns, whether you do it through past life regression, astrology, through tarot cards, through whatever, through watching movies with David, lots of uh, looper movies, and you finally watch maybe 14, maybe 40 movies with David, and you go, oh, oh, I'm starting to see the patterns in my life. I'm starting to see the repetitions. I'm getting closer to escape. I'm seeing the patterns. In this movie, he starts to see the patterns, but he thinks he's going crazy, because none of us are raised to see patterns. Imagine when you're like seven years old at the dinner table, and you're having dinner, and your mother says, well, now we're going to watch these Looper movies again, because we don't want you to just grow up and become a fully functioning adult citizen and be a contributor to the gross national product of your country. We would rather you forgive this entire world and wake up uh, like Jesus did uh, 2,000 years ago. So, little Johnny, we're going to watch the movies, and then you've got your astrology session tomorrow, and then we'll go off to the past life regression therapist after the astrology session, and then we're going to go and pull some tarot cards, and you know, we're going to spend the whole day looking at the patterns at which you believe in. Now that would be ideal if, if you were growing up in that kind of a household, you probably wouldn't have had the struggles that you have in life because you would start to see the patterns more quickly. And you would not go there. You know, you would be like, no thank you. Uh, temptation, no thank you. Another temptation, ha <laughs> ha, ego, you think are you fooling me with these patterns? I am not going to have that other drink. I am not going to have that other joint. I am not going to do another hit of cocaine. I am not going to do another addiction because I see you for who you are and I'm getting into my joy of my function which is forgiveness and I'm not playing this sad game of lack and seek outside yourself and, and try to solve the lack through food and sex and drugs and all kinds of distractions. Shopping. Has anybody ever gone on a shopping spree to try to overcome depression? There it is. Esther's She's got her hand up. She's being honest. You know, you know, we know, we've all done these little shopping sprees, you know, at one point in our life, because, oh, we'll just, we're down a little bit, we're just going to go to the mall and have a little bit of a spree there and, and feel a little bit better for the trinkets uh, that we can pull in in one day or something. No, if you could see the patterns, you would not go on that shopping spree. You would not be drinking that alcohol. You would not be repeating the drugs and repeating the same patterns over and over. If you know from 12-step groups that that's part of it right there is they have to start to see that their their life is unmanageable and they're powerless over whatever it is, the alcohol or the drugs or the sex or whatever, and they don't stop there. They they just realize that that pattern of addiction is just on the surface of things. 
And what did Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob do? They said, that's not the solution. You will never find the solution if you just keep repeating the patterns of your earth life over and over and over. You'll just get, grow old and get sick and die and then from a bigger perspective just come back and repeat it again and maybe again and again and again and again. No, in 12 steps they say you have to get in touch with what? The stinking thinking. That's what Course in Miracles calls wrong-minded thinking. That's the same thing in the 12 steps. The stinking thinking is what the problem is. The problem isn't the alcohol. The problem isn't the rep repetition of the addiction, it's the stinking thinking, they called it. Isn't it nice how they rhyme it? It's the stinking thinking that's underneath. And what is that but the, se the dream that you dream in secret? I mean, if you could give up judgment, Jesus in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, basically Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. And for 2,000 years, Human beings have been trying to follow what Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount. He seemed to be so calm and he seemed to do things like, like walk on water, raise the dead, heal the sick, and he clearly did not seem like he was from this planet. You know, most people previous to him were not coming back from the dead. Uh, most were not, you know, casting out demons, walking on water, healing the sick, raising the dead. Turning water into wine? Is that something your mom and dad do? Has anybody here done that? I don't think I have. I, I'm not an alchemist or anything, but I haven't done that. He was, he was demonstrating that we have an eternal power when we know our heavenly source. And he was saying we have to forgive the world. But in order to forgive the world, you have to first start to become aware of the patterns, the egoic patterns. You have to bring the darkness to the light. You have to become more aware of the patterns. And then as you begin to choose the miracle in place of the pattern, you reach a point of atonement where suddenly there is no need to repeat any of the ego patterns again. And, and the most basic pattern I'll tell you is this, time. The past repeated over and over. Jesus says history would not exist if you didn't keep making the same mistake in the present. Does anybody remember the Truman Show when he's, he's trying, he sees all these things happening in his world, even on the radio, and he sees the serious light, serious light that comes down and smashes on the street, and then finally he, he catches his wife pretending like she's helping out in surgery at the hospital, and all of a sudden he gets enough clues, he sees enough clues and patterns to start to suspect that maybe this world that he thinks is, is real is not what it seems to be. And then he hops in the car, he takes his wife and they go round and round this circle and at one point he actually sits in the car with his wife and he says, you know, the dented beetle and the lady that's walking by, he says to his wife, they're all on a loop. They just go round and round and round and round. That was a big discovery in the Truman Show when he discovered that everything was on a loop. That nothing was happening spontaneously. Everything was simply looping around. And that's what's happening with the ego and the 
belief in time. It's just looping and looping and looping. The same mistakes are just repeated over and over and over. And to this is not satisfying in our lives because we're we're the Christ. We're the Christ. We're an eternal creation of God. We're not a time-bound being. We're not really a human being. The human is the mask. The persona is the mask, like in Latin. Persona is the mask drawn over the, who you really are, which is the Christ. So this movie is going to be so good because our main character, first of all, is going to start to see some patterns. He doesn't understand what the patterns mean. But we know from A Course in Miracles that it's important to pay attention to the patterns. It's important to pay attention to all the details until you start to realize that the details are just showing that you believe something in your mind that needs to be exposed and released. That's why we have no private thoughts and no people pleasing. It's from exposing the unconscious mind. That's why we do the mind training of A Course in Miracles, because it's exposing the unconscious mind. That's why we watch all these looper movies, so you can see that it's exposing the unconscious mind. The only way you escape from the Groundhog Day loop, or the Truman Show loop, or the looper loop, or you know, it can be, there's so many movies, Butterfly Effect, on and on and on. The only way out of the loop is to see the problem exactly as it is. And that is the belief in linear time. As long as the mind keeps choosing the belief in time, it avoids eternity. You can't believe in linear time and eternity because one is real, the eternal nature is real, and time is the illusion. But if you believe in time, then everything that you perceive as a recurring problem is simply nothing more than the belief in cause and effect are apart and that linear time is real. That's it. That's, that is the basic thing that you're, when you go on this great journey of discovery, that's what you're going to find. In the end, if you have an investment in time, you have an investment in guilt. Linear time and guilt are associated, they are synonymous. Like for example, I'm, I'm always big in um, practicalities and what is the dream showing us. In our communities, we, we were, I heard from recent discussion, what is the commonalities going on uh, in, in Spain, in the United States, and Mexico? Of course, there's the day-to-day -day interpersonal and just attack thoughts and judgments and grievances that come up, of course that's there, but, but we also notice that we have leaks. There's leaks going on. We have, we have leaks in the buildings. We have plumbing leaks. We have, there's leaks. And what do leaks mean but there's leak in your mind? <laughs> and it's not the Christ that's leaking. It's not the Holy Spirit that's leaking. It's the private thoughts that leak out into your perception of the world. Privacy, secrecy, ownership, possession, uh, grievances, attack, conflict, the pandemic. Anything you want to mention is, is part of a, a, a leaky mind. And how do you tighten up a leaky mind? Through the miracle, through atonement. That's the way you 
bring your mind back into alignment. That's the way you let go of all those little pesky little leaks. Leaks are like judgments. And the only way to come back to a total alignment is to let go of those. So in this movie, again I have to say, it's, it's a love story. It's also a movie that requires, it shows how much determination and how much dedication is required to actually start to pay attention to the patterns and then to have a curious enough mind to start to see what's underneath these patterns. If you're that dedicated that you aren't just going to accept the world that's presented to you like they talk about in the Matrix, but you're so dedicated that you're going to get in touch with what's going on in your mind and what's underneath. What lies beneath. If you're that dedicated, then that is going to bring you enormous rewards because the miracle and a, and a highly trained mind that's very miraculous, consistently miracle-minded, is what is going to bring you closer to that peace. And then the waking up from this dream is what brings peace eternal. It's what brings eternal love, eternal life. So, Enjoy the adventure. I think you're going to like the way this love story unfolds because you not only have the, the main characters being drawn together into a relationship, but you also know that the purpose of the relationship is to uncover the patterns, to be able to expose anything that has been kept hidden or kept secret from a brother or from a sister or from ultimately the Holy Spirit. And then ultimately when you come to that full transparency of I will hide nothing, I will speak only and think only what is real and true, the thoughts I think with God, I will come back to that perfect alignment with my source and I will think nothing apart from my source. I will think only with the thoughts that God gave me in creation. That is the return to innocence. That's the return to glory. That's the return to eternal life. And yet we need movies like this that this is not a, like an obvious looper movie, because when we watch Groundhog Day or Truman Show, we're pretty aware pretty quick. But this is more the nuances of dealing with what seems to be a personality self and job, relationship, and all of the persons and personalities on the planet. And then very slowly as this movie goes along, the patterns are revealed and suddenly the expansion can occur where you start to see everything from a much larger perspective. And when you do see everything from a larger perspective, that's how you forgive. That's how the joy comes back. That's how you lose your fear. That's how you lose your hesitation. That's how you become confident and certain and crystal clear is through stepping back in your mind and getting above the battleground. Going above the patterns. 
Because as long as you're identified as being inside the patterns, it seems like a nightmare. The, the debt, the conflict, the, the frustrations of the human condition, it's no wonder that people feel like they, they want to kill themselves, or it's no wonder that people seem to go into depression. It's no wonder that people feel like they're stuck in addictions. It's no wonder that people feel like they're trapped in their skin, and they want to get out of their skin somehow, some way. And this movie is going to uh, be a huge step for all of us to start to see beyond the patterns. So enjoy it. It's a love story. We get another love story. You know, you can't, it doesn't get any better than waking up with love stories that are metaphysical love stories. You know, I think this is the Holy Spirit's gentlest way of reaching us. Because we all love a love story. You know, we're not going to turn down a love story. And then when it's metaphysical, then we're like, oh, okay, you got me now. I'm, I'll, I'll pay attention to this one. So enjoy the movie. I'll, I'll pop in. Okay, we got a good start here. Good start. The ego made up time, and then the ego brought in judgment into the mind in order to stabilize the chaos from the belief in separation. In, in other words, if you're, if you're one with God, if you're one with, with love, with light, if you're just a perfect creation of an eternal loving God, and then you fall asleep and you dream a dream of separation and opposites and multipl multiplicity and, and so forth, duality. This world, by definition, of separation from God is, is chaos. And, and the main character said, you know, I like to bring order into chaos. And judgment and structure and rules and repetitions and routines which are pretty common in the world of time and space. Everybody, anybody see those things I just talked about? You know, you see those things around you. All of that repetition is judgment. So when Jesus said, judge not, he was talking about a state of mind that is so pristine, that is so inspired by love and light, that it's, it's what he calls a happy dream, where there's no routines in it, there's no repetitions in it, it's simply being in a very still, quiet state of mind in which you see the whole world, the whole cosmos as one thing. You don't see it in parts. You don't see, you don't see that, that, the, that there are fragments. You see from a holistic perspective which simply sees the false as false. Some of you know that that's a definition that Jesus gives in A Course in Miracles. He gives a lot of uh, miracle principles, but basically what he says about the miracle, he says, the miracle does not create nor really change at all. It merely looks upon devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. So when you forgive, that's, that's what you will do. You will be able to look upon all of this world and simply, with the Holy Spirit's help, just see the false is false. Why is it false? It's because God didn't create it. God is eternal. The eternal creates the eternal. 
Spirit creates spirit. Love creates love. Love doesn't create separation. God doesn't create time and space. God is an eternal being and what comes from God is another eternal being which is really one in spirit, which is the Christ. And that's why it's, it's called the Christ, because the Christ idea is still in the mind of God. It has never left the mind of God. So what we're seeing here at the beginning is our main character. He's, he's talking about the patterns. He's even saying, he said we all love routine. Why would you love routine? Except if it helped bring some stability into what seems to be a very chaotic world, what seems to be a very hostile world. And the, the routines and, the, and all the repetition, they bring a sense of stability. That's why people like some structure in their day. That's why there are, are, when you go to school, you have different classes and different bells ring at different times. The whole world is structured and it's all part of, of routines. And yet, when those routines start to loosen up or disappear, it can bring a huge sense of fear. That's what the pandemic, uh, the pandemic of 2020 is showing us. That there's a lot of fear in the mind. And when you start to take away basic uh, routines like work, when people couldn't go to work, uh, when they had to be quarantined, when they couldn't go out of their house, when they shut down the most aspects of the economy except for essential services, when the, the gross national product and the, the productivity and all the things that, that were part of a custom life on planet Earth, when all those uh, routines were disrupted, children couldn't go to school, people couldn't go to work, People had to start doing social distancing. I mean, if, if I described the scenario of 2020 back in 2019, you probably would have went, David, you are really off your rocker. You, you can't possibly be social distancing. You know, we're into hugging. I hug people. I, I'm a, I hug trees. And then if they told you, no, you're going to have social distancing, children would not go to school, economies would would be devastated and there would be this pandemic of this uh, mysterious virus or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, most people would have said, what is this, some kind of a, a sci-fi movie? Uh, some kind of freaky sci-fi movie and everything. And now this is what the planet seems to be part of the everyday perception. But a lot of the routines have been broken and the fear is, is going sky high. There's a lot of fear, you might have noticed, coming up into awareness from, from people on planet Earth. It's because the safety and security was placed in the routines. The safety and security was placed in the jobs, in the money, in the medical system, in a system of doctors and nurses that are supposed to be able to give injections for disease. <laughs> not, not big question marks. You know, they're supposed to give the medicine that takes care of the, the nasty diseases, you know, and then all of a sudden the medical system seems overrun. Everything, the chaos starts to rise up in the mind because 
The belief is that these routines and these things of time and space are where the security, the safety, the naturalness is in these artificial projections and these artificial routines. And the same with love. I mean, I always pay attention to what you all vote for in these polls and what our top ones were fear of loss and fear of I won't be taken care of in the Spanish and past and future thoughts. Haha, <laughs> that last one's the key. Past and future thoughts. Yeah, that's a killer. Past and future thoughts. That's a real, that's your killer in the mind. It's, it's the belief in loss. So let's take a look at that for a moment before we get too deep into this movie. When we talk about fear of loss, most people think of the things that psychologists call the, the stressors. Loss of a loved one, death of a loved one, separation, divorce, loss of a child, loss of a parent, loss of a job, um, being robbed, <laughs> loss of possession, having your house destroyed in a hurricane or a tornado or a flood, loss of property, loss of body, loss of abilities. You know, let's say you you start to go seemingly blind or you start to go deaf or you, you have physical disabilities, mental disabilities, loss of, of skills and abilities and capacities that seem to be a natural part of what? The human routine. You know, oh I could see yesterday but today I'm seeing an optometrist because it looks like I'm losing my sight. Fear, fear, fear. The thing that Jesus is trying to convince us with the Course is he's saying what you perceive as loss that's related to things in the world like loss of a spouse, loss of a job, so on, loss of your health, bodily health, He's saying, that's not it. That this ego belief has made up an entire fictitious world of time and space. And then you believed, as, it, as we heard at the beginning, that what if, if you didn't know if it was a dream? What if you thought you were awake? What if you thought you were waking up in the morning with an alarm clock as a human being waking up to go to work or waking up for your daily activities but you had completely forgotten that you're dreaming the whole thing. That this is just a dream. That you're dreaming the whole thing. You're dreaming time and space. You're dreaming all these routines. You're, you're dreaming that you're sleeping at night. You're dreaming that you're sleeping at night. It's not that you are dreaming at night, because bodies don't dream. Dream figures don't dream. Dream figures are are part of dreams, but they, they don't dream. They just, you can convince yourself that you are sleeping and dreaming, but it's the mind that has fallen asleep and forgotten heaven and is dreaming a world of time and space. And then, having forgotten the light, having this sense of spiritual amnesia, having forgotten love, then the mind follows the ego's advice and it says, search for love in the dream. Now that's pretty sneaky. If, if the light is what love is and you're sleeping and dreaming and now the ego convinces you to search for love in the dream, oh what a tough job because this is a veil of ignorance. This is a veil of forgetfulness. This is a veil of unreal patterns and routines that have nothing to do with love and light and, and wisdom. It has nothing to do with eternal love. 
And then you start to search. What's the country song say? Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many faces. Hoping to find, you know, you know, the country song can even tell you, you know, you're in trouble if you're looking for love in time and space. Because the veil of forgetfulness is, was made to keep you from knowing who you are as love. That's your identity. Your I am presence is love. So the whole world is a projection of the belief that you have lost your eternal love. The whole world is the projection of this secret dream. And what is the secret dream except the belief in loss? The ego is the belief in loss. It's not like you can really lose people because the people are just projections. It's not like you can really lose a real job because the job that you think you have in the dream world is not your real job. Jesus would tell you your real job. Your only job is forgiveness. Your only job is to realize that this ego and the projected world of the ego are not real. That's, that's the whole point of spiritual awakening. That's the point of meditation. That's the point of yoga. That's the point of every single spiritual and philosophical system is to, as the Greeks said, know thyself. That's all it's about. There's nothing else. There is no other, other task that, that you have. And yet, if I believe the projection's real, then I'm going to believe, oh, I could lose my spouse, I could lose my, my child, my parent, I could lose my job, I could lose my career, I could lose my city to a, a nuclear holocaust, I could lose my, my community to a flood, or something of time and space, or a pandemic. What happens if what I was using, my hypothetical, comes true? What if 4.5 billion people die in the next 10 years? That's, that's a pretty significant, uh, pop talk about overpopulation, that's, that's going to uh, take it in the other direction. If 4.5 billion people go to the pandemic. And yet, you would still have your state of mind as being your responsibility. Even if over the next 10 years, 4.5 billion people were, were died on the planet, you still would have the same task of forgiveness. You, that Course in Miracles book that you've been reading would be just as relevant if that was going on as whatever's going on in perception today. Because it's the same dynamic that if you put your faith in something that is a projection, you are setting yourself up for feelings of sadness, depression, loss, hurt, pain, suffering. It's, it's the dynamics of the Course where Jesus is saying, you know, you, you have your choice of whether you want to follow this, this curriculum of forgiveness. But the Course is required, meaning the curriculum of forgiving illusions is required. Why is it required? Because if you're an eternal being and you don't know yourself as eternal, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> that's an issue. That's a mistaken identity, to think you're something that you're not. And if God created you as you are, and you remain as God created you, then the whole point would be to see the illusion for what it is and wake up to eternal reality. So that's why these metaphysics are so helpful. Now, in this movie we also see that 
you know, we can see the main character, he's air traffic controller and his job depends on precision. He, he requires precision work because he's got planes that are taking off and landing and there's a lot of responsibility that is projected out from the mind, which is only to be happy, only to accept the atonement and be happy and wake up. That's the only responsibility. But in terms of being a person, there's projection of responsibility out to job responsibilities, family responsibilities, uh, relationship responsibilities, responsibilities for keeping your house clean, responsibility for fixing leaks, which is a specialty in our community. We're leak fixers. You know, we, we say we're on a mystical community, but we fix a lot of leaks. We always are fixing leaks. And, and, and we're looking at our communication patterns. Our, what is our going on in our prayer life that we have these communication blocks that come up? Why are all these leaks happening? <laughs> what's, what's behind all the leaks? It's always going inward and loosening from the judgments and the self-concepts because as long as I believe in the ego, I'm going to have problems that aren't really what they seem to be. They're going to seem to be problems on the screen. If you went to a movie and during the movie you watched, wasn't there a, a famous uh, pandemic movie like around 2011? What was it called? Contagion. Yeah, there was a movie back in around 2011, I think it was, called Contagion. It was, it was, it was a pretty extreme movie uh, that was going on. I forget who was all in that, but there was some interesting um, characters and things. I've never seen the movie. Well, you've seen one Contagion, you've seen them all. But, but actually, it, it was the playing out. If, you, if people went to the movie theater and they were watching the movie and then they thought that what was on the screen was real, they would have left the movie, that Contagion movie, all afraid. Instead, they probably went home and went, oh my God, I saw a nightmare of a movie called Contagion. Uh, I think Matt Damon was in it, and uh, I forget some of it. Matt, Matt Damon was in it. But they would have just said, yeah, that was one of interesting, Matt Damon's role. He played the husband and, and his wife, uh, got the virus, and then then the virus spread all over the planet. And you know, this was like back in 2011. And people would say, "What a freaky movie!" Now people are going, "What a freaky world I live in!" <laughs> this is a freaky world. This whole world is like it's 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 like a movie. But if you take what is happening on the screen to be serious, it just means that you believe in it. And it just means you believe in all those patterns and routines and, and that you've put your safety and your love and your security into the things of time. Why do people have insurance? Why do people buy insurance? Because they want to save themselves loss in the future. Why do people who get married, has anybody here uh, had a marriage where you had a prenuptial agreement? Stephen, you're, you're a lawyer. If you know anybody had prenup... Why do people do prenuptial agreements? If they're, if they're getting married, if they're getting falling in love and going for union, why, why involve lawyers in prenuptial agreements? Why fear of future loss? 
Isn't that it? You know, why, it's the same reason why people buy insurance. Why do people have house insurance, car insurance, life insurance? Why do people insure their watches and, and, these, and all these different things? It's fear of future loss. And what does Jesus Christ say in A Course in Miracles? In the immediacy of salvation section, he says, future loss is not your fear. Your real dread is present joining. What? What's he saying? Future loss is not your fear. Your real dread is present joining. He's saying, you're afraid to drop the mask. You're afraid to have complete and whole communication with your brothers and sisters. You're afraid of the present moment. You're afraid of the Holy Instant. You're afraid of the Holy Spirit. You're afraid of transparency because you're afraid you will lose the tiny little personality self that you believe is you. You know, that's why people are afraid of death because they're afraid of losing this make-believe, fictitious personality self. And this is pointing to the secret dream. You remember, the secret dream was a wish to be separate from God, was a wish to be something that you're not. It's a wish to be a, a, a body instead of a, a divine spirit. And now the whole thing is reversed, so that the fear of loss seems to be relating to time, when really the fear of loss is, is the secret dream the dream that is dreamed in secret. The unwatched mind, Jesus calls it. Some people call it the unconscious. As long as you have this dream that you dream in secret, you will seem to take on not just one body, but you can seem to take on body after body after body. This is what they call reincarnation in Buddhism and in Hinduism. It's taking on a body after another one, after another one, after another one. All based on a secret dream that I can be something that I'm not. That I can be something other than spirit. So in this movie, we're just looking at the very beginning. He's gone to work, he's an air traffic controller, and we see there's this woman up in a plane, and he's doing his, his, uh, his job, and he's doing it well, and he has confidence in his job, and we will find out that, that both he and the woman in the plane are not really living an inspired life. They actually had other inspiring ideas of, of what they would really deep in their heart like to be doing, but they're playing out their life based on compromise, based on, on fear, and that's what all human beings are doing. They're, they're avoiding the light and the true inspiration in their mind. And they're, they're just playing out a compromised life, really a pseudo-life, which isn't life at all. And yet, we're going to be able to see in this movie that, that you can't really begin to question what seems to be your worldly life until you begin to notice the patterns that are underneath this worldly life. That are, what are the patterns of thought that are in your mind? That's a good question. What are the patterns of belief that are in your mind? That's a good question. When you start to question what's going on in your mind, 
you are moving in the direction of freedom. You are moving in the direction of escape. But when you start to question the things of the world, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do disasters happen? Why does disease happen? Why do I keep repeating and, and making the same mistakes in form? Until you look at the mind, there is really no hope of escape. There's no real hope of escape. And that's what we're going to see in this movie. So here we get to see some wrinkles in the routines now. A miracle will come to interrupt our main character's pseudo-routine life. And he needs his life to be shaken up because he's firmly believing that he is this human being in time and space and the, the miracle is going to have to provide an out-of-pattern experience that will start to have him question what is it that he believes and what is it that he perceives. Okay, there you have there you have two perspectives. <laughs> I nearly killed you versus you saved me. Because the nature of this world is that everything that seems to be occurring is all part of a flow, all orchestrated. There's no, nothing random. There are no such things as accidents. There are no such things as near misses or lucky occurrences, but everything is part of a prearranged plan and the only choice you have is how you see it. And we see the two different perspectives right there where he's saying, I nearly killed you. And she's saying, no, you, you saved me. Every single time we choose the miracle, we're in that salvation mode. We're in that seeing the world differently. We're in that opening, clearing our perception towards the, the happy dream. And every time we judge, something has occurred that shouldn't have happened. Something is not a, happening according to the plan. Something, if we judge something is not as it's supposed to be, it just means that we are unaware of the, the flow and the orchestration. It's our distorted perception through ego beliefs and ego preferences and ego expectations that tell us and interpret the situations for us. And then our emotions are based on those interpretations. You may have noticed that after the incident, you know, he, he met with a supervisor and his supervisor said, you are suspended uh, until further notice. And basically he lost his job. And a lot of us have gone through that experience of losing a job. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it just part of the perception that we have of the world and is neither good nor bad, but is just destined. In other words, these patterns that seem to repeat and these things that we call our life in this world is just a collection of images. And when we can look upon that collection of images that seem to be our, our self in this world, when we can look upon them from a miracle, we start to 
have a strong sense that we are not these images and we never have been these images and that nothing is ever going wrong or going right. Nothing is ever positive or negative except the ego mind judges everything in terms of positives and negatives, goods, bads, rights, wrongs, in form. But that's because the ego has to maintain a sense of guilt. And you can even see from our main character here, when he, he left, he basically had this feeling like he had done his job wrong, he had made a mistake, even though he didn't quite understand what happened there at 222. He notices there's always a lot of strange things happening at his, during his day when he reaches 222. He doesn't understand what that means, but he still is depressed when he feels like he's done his job wrong, didn't do what he was supposed to do. And that's the way it goes in relationships. Whenever we are judging any person, place, thing, in a positive way or a negative way, it's just the ego reading meaning onto the images. And then Jesus is wanting us to go in the other direction. That's why his first lesson in the workbook is nothing I see means anything. And as you go on and you do those early workbook lessons, he's clearly saying that there's a time issue going on. That that's why you're upset. I'm upset because I see something that's not there. I see only the past. As long as I'm judging the past, or wanting to fix the past, or wanting to rearrange the past, or reorder the past, then that's an impossible thing. Because what Jesus is telling us is the Holy Spirit has corrected this separation belief, and now the past is over. It can touch me not. The past is gone. Let the past be the past. You've heard it probably a hundred different ways. You know, leave the past behind. Don't cling to the past. If, if I hold on to the past and I want to perpetuate the past by thinking I can fix it, change it, rearrange it, make it different, then that's attempting something that's impossible because it's over and gone. But I won't know that it's over and gone as long as I'm still tinkering with time. And time is not something that, that can be fixed. It's basically something that Jesus says, please allow me to arrange time and space for you. Allow me to use time and space as part of symbols of the miracle but not as the ego would use it, which is just keeping it in this linear construct. Stories, all these stories of guilt, uh, they, they really don't have any reality or validity, but, but the only way we ever experientially come to get out of the trap of these ego perceptions is to allow the spirit to use time and space, to arrange it for us, to, to literally uh, use the symbols of time in a new way, uh, uh, in an innocent way, a forgiveness way, that's very different from the ego's use. So, in this movie, you can see that, that um, his perspective is he's very down on what happened, even though he doesn't totally understand it, but there's guilt coming to the surface. And 
you may have noticed that even if you're gliding along and you feel guilt-free in terms of this world, that if you get involved with what, the, what we could say are situations, relationships, so on and so forth, that where you read meaning into those images, where you expect something from them, where you are hoping for something from them, where you maybe even are demanding at times something from them as, as what you feel is just and true and fair, that will always lead to disappointment. Because basically the images of the world are only to be used by the Holy Spirit and Jesus to take us back to the forgiven world. They're not meant to be used to establish something to establish an identity, to maintain an identity in the world, to maintain basically a, an idol image that God didn't create. The, whenever the images are used by the ego, there it always is for one reason, and that's to perpetuate guilt and perpetuate fear. And this course is taking us in another direction. So now, he, he serendipitously meets this woman who was on the plane and they're enjoying a nice discussion and conversation and and they, this again is the beginning of how the Holy Spirit uses relationships to notice the patterns, to become aware of the patterns, to become aware of the thoughts, to become aware of the beliefs and then to let them go. That's the one right use of relationships is exposure and release. Next time you're considering marrying somebody, you should say, I hereby agree to expose and release all unconscious guilt uh, until the Spirit shall break us apart. Uh, and in terms of, of form, the form will be whatever it's going to be, whatever it was in the script, but the Spirit's plan is to come back to union of mind. The Spirit's plan is to come back to, to, the, to the Spirit, to the remembrance of the Spirit and the release of all of the thoughts and beliefs that cover over the light of Spirit in your mind. So really, honestly, you have to start to see everything. If, if you get fired from a job, instead of judging yourself as incompetent and uh, foolish or unable to do the job or looking for reasons what went wrong, um, you might just consider that that's just a part of the plan of facing what's going on in the mind. It's not positive or negative to lose a job. You know, you've heard some people say, oh I lost a job when I was 25 and that was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, in retrospect, sometimes they think, they think of it as very positive. Sometimes it's also viewed as very negative. It's like, I lost my job. It, it's associated with that loss that's in the mind. But nothing is positive or negative in terms of form. It's only the interpretation that would judge it one way or the other. And ultimately, that's, that's why forgiveness is so important, because it's, it takes us into a place of acceptance. And he's just at the beginning stage now where he's, he's just becoming acquainted with this woman who was a passenger on, on one of the planes that almost uh, came together and collided there, but they, they didn't. And, 
and this is just going to be a, a beginning step for him now to start to see more patterns in terms of, of her and his thoughts about her and, and, and actually the whole relationship is going to be exposed in a, in a, a very different light. So here we go. Okay, so as, as with most of our time loop movies, um, there comes a point where there's these, these out of pattern experiences start to happen and um, it can seem to be very intense as it is in his experiences or some of you have noticed, maybe you go through phases where you, you keep looking at a watch and it's 111 or 1111 or maybe even 222. <laughs> There's a 222 here. You, we, you know, they, they get your attention. That's all they're really doing. You're starting to get attention drawn into the repetitive nature and that's what synchronicities, whether you call them synchronicities, whether you call them coincidences. Some of you remember on your spiritual journey you maybe uh, read the Celestine Prophecy. Uh, and that movie highlighted synchronicities, this part of the spiritual awakening. What's happening really is the Holy Spirit is just starting to get your attention about these patterns. Because for him, he's seeing these automobile smash-ups out, out in front of his apartment at like 11.45 or so each, each day. Whenever it gets to be, uh, he seems to be drawn to Grand Central Station and he starts to uh, notice things exploding or the pregnant woman, he starts to see the same repetitive patterns in the hugs or, or the children walking or the little boy uh, with, his, with his ball. He's just noticing the re repetition of patterns. And this is very much like in uh, the Truman Show you know, where uh, there's things that start happening to, that Truman is experiencing and then he's getting clues that, that these out-of-pattern experiences are happening for him to, to see something. In fact, I think in the Truman Show he has a lot of things that, that start to uh, like he, when he's in the car driving and on the radio it, it comes and it's, it's kind of telling actors to, to, he's describing the events as his car is turning the corner. It's like an, an announcer describing the event of he's turning onto this street and so on and so forth. Those are little signs and symbols that the world isn't what you think it is. What do I mean by the world isn't what you think it is. It's, first of all, this is the, probably the most shocking thing. Uh, and the most shocking thing is that the world is not external to the mind. You know, the, the belief is when you've been convinced you're a body and you seem to be perceiving through the five senses and it seems like there's a body, a tiny you and a vast external world a uh, society, a vast external world that's outside of you, the strangest, most foreign idea to the human being is that that the world is not outside of their mind, that actually that their body and the world and everything about this world is 
is in the mind that, that thought it. And that's what Jesus means in the Course by saying, ideas leave not their source. In terms of heaven, Christ has never left the mind of God. And even in relationship to this world, you're only perceiving your thoughts. You're only perceiving consciousness. Even, I think recently I just heard uh, Muji had saying that, that the world is like a screen and it's a screen of consciousness. It's a screen on which, onto which consciousness is projected. You might say that's very similar to A Course in Miracles, except Jesus is saying it actually seems to be a screen, but that's the, that's the dream that you gave away. And the secret dream, which is really one with the dream that was given away, is a dream that you dream in secret and you're unaware of. So there's an aspect of, of the mind that's completely pushed out of awareness. It's completely unconscious. And then there seems to be a projected world that is perceived through the five senses. And the thing about it is, the thoughts that made this world are still in the mind that thought them. So really what seems to be a projected outer world isn't outer at all. That the outer and the inner are the same and you can't really begin to escape from this false perception until you start to realize that what you perceive in the world is just a perception of your, th of your thoughts. They're not your real thoughts, they're attack thoughts. <laughs> they're egoic thoughts. That's why if you see a, a crazy world or a chaotic world, if you think it's a hostile world, if you think it's a, a world gone bonkers, uh, if you feel like you're you're uncomfortable and you've judged the world in some way, it's simply the thoughts that are being held in consciousness. And that's why we have the mind training of A Course in Miracles, basically to show us that, that it's the world you think you think and it's the world you think you see. The thoughts that you think you think relating to time and space and the world that you think you see relating to time and space are the same and they're not real. And that can be very frightening, but this is the first step in, in healing. You have to go down deeper than those thoughts. You have to go down toward the light in your mind and, and begin identifying with that light before the stability really starts to, to come into awareness, before there's any consistency there. So this is also why that that projection makes perception. Whatever is held in that secret dream simply is acted out as if it's happening to you as a person. And that's why people have said, I have so much trouble forgiving. And I say, why? What is the difficulty? And they say, well, they actually did this to me. They really did it. And, and they really said it. And they really, you know, did these things to me. The way they looked at me, the things they said to me, the things they did to me, it's as if the dream that was given away is seen as a fact. And then when you have to forgive, the hardest thing is to believe you have to forgive a fact. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, oh, you mean I have, to, I have to forgive what really happened? And Jesus is saying, no, the secret dream that you have and the projected world that, that you gave away aren't real. They, they actually are, are fictitious. They're make-believe. They're egoic. You're not an ego. You didn't 
do these things. But it has to come to us in a way that, that slowly gets our attention. And in the movie, that's what I like about this movie is, little by little by little, uh, our main character is starting to say things like, you're not going to believe this, but I, I keep seeing these same things happening, I keep noticing these things, and, and he's simply getting more in touch with what's going on in consciousness, including uh, getting seemingly banged up in a, in a smash up with a, with a taxi, but, but it's really shaking up his perception because it's loosening him from the, the certainty that he thought he had about this uh, identity in this external world. And, it, and actually that's the way it really goes in spirituality. It does seem to be a dismantling, it seems to be a, a loosening, and at times it doesn't seem comfortable at all. It seems actually uncomfortable, but that's just the ego judging the you might say the process of the healing. It's the ego judging the healing, <laughs> as if something's going wrong when actually everything is going perfectly according to plan. <laughs> it, it always is perfectly on plan. There's nothing happening out of, out of context at all. There never has been, there never will be. So, so we'll go back to the movie, but at this point um, you can see at least he's starting to talk about this with his, with his new girlfriend here. He's, he's starting to open up and share what he's feeling and what he's perceiving, which, which is really actually very, very helpful because that's part of it too, is not trying to hold things in or hide things. Even if you are perceiving things you don't quite understand, it always helps as part of the exposure to to talk about it, to speak up about it, and then little by little things do start to, to come into a bit of clarity, which we'll see what that kind of happens as he moves along. But it can take a lot of faith and a lot of commitment and a lot of determination during the, the seeming dismantling, during the, the shifting of the mind from upside down to right side up. Uh, it's like a, a 360 turn in the mind. So let's see what he does here. Oh, really good scene. You can start to see the ego is just playing everything out and it is hoping that you won't get the lesson that this is the past. That everything that you're perceiving is the past. The ego tries to make up an illusion of time with the past and then a tiny little present moment squeezed between a past and a future, but it's all one continuum of images that it's all the past. It's a mesmerism, it's the mind is asleep and dreaming and it's just viewing the past. This is one of the most graphic scenes ever on the big screen where you can see that, that this whole presentation in this gallery by Jonas uh, is showing him again the Grand Central uh, Station that he keeps being brought back to with the 222. But what is the lesson for us? It's, it's like this is the Holy Spirit showing all of us that 
That's so important in healing, is just to start to realize that what we're perceiving through the five senses, through this wrong-minded perception, is, is always the past. And as long as we live in what is already past, as long as we live in what is already over and gone, we can't know who we truly are in the present moment. We can't know who we are in the holy instant. We can't know who we are in eternity if we believe we live in what is already over and gone. And so this is so beautiful for us as a teaching device because you can see that as he's watching this whole thing, it's so realistic. Even though it's just projected images and it's, it's got a kind of a matrix kind of feel to it, that he actually starts to get into a fight uh, with, uh, with uh, her ex-boyfriend, Jonas, and you can see that when the fight starts to break out, it's just these two characters that are also part of this projected script. You know, it's really, it's almost like it can be a little spooky to see that, that what the mind is so invested in is simply this, this projected world that doesn't really have anything to do with reality. It's just, it's just attack thoughts projected. It's just concepts projected. And it seems to play out in a linear way, so that's what seems to give it a reality. Now the sleeping mind thinks reality is linear. It's completely forgotten about it eternity and now it thinks it's linear. So all we can say is that this is really bringing things up into awareness, that, that he's, he's starting to become more and more aware of that what he is perceiving with all these synchronicities, with all these little hints, with all these clues. Now this is a very overt symbol that he's perceiving the past. And there's a lot of anger uh, with it, because he, he's starting to feel there's some kind of deception going on. Like he's, he's quite a, angry at Jonas, and he, it's almost like a, an unconscious anger. There's a lot of anger starting to come up there. And he even said to Jonas, what is this, some kind of a joke? Uh, that's, that's really what time and space is. It's a, it's a joke from the ego. Uh, the ego is the joker that's, that's made up this fabrication uh, to take the place of the truth. This veil that's been blinding us from seeing the truth as it really is. And how this relates to our relationships and forgiveness is, is basically when this darkness comes up, when these private thoughts and secrets come up, that's why it's so important to follow what we call no private thoughts and no people pleasing. If you simply dismiss it and you just write it off and you justify it and you just try to push it back down out of awareness, it just perpetuates the belief in time. It just, it just perpetuates this uh, big trick, this giant uh, cosmic trick where figures come and go uh, Seemingly, it's just the way things are. But once you start to get to true communication, you get closer to your real thoughts. And those are the thoughts that you think with God. That's why integrity is important. That's why alignment is important. That's why answering your calling 
Your divine calling is so important, your intuitive calling. That's why being intuitive is important instead of just blindly going through the routines of the ego's world and wondering why, why do I feel sad? Why do I feel frustrated? Why do I feel depressed? Why do I feel um, like I'm, I'm caught in some kind of a trap? Why am I unfulfilled? Why do I feel worried? Why do I have regret? The answer to all those why questions is there's an investment in the past. There's a strong investment in the past. And the ego made the past. And the Holy Spirit wants us to escape this trick of past, of, of believing we live in what is already over and gone. That's what Jesus means when he says, you, you are reviewing mentally what has already gone by. You're, you're just observing the past, but you think it's still happening. You, you, you call it present. You could say, I'm, I'm watching a movie gathering right now with David. This what is what seems to be present, but Jesus is telling us, no, these images are not the present. If you would sink into your mind deep enough, you would go into a light experience where you would realize that that wasn't the reality of it. The light is the reality, not the images. When we say, well, I, my arm exists right now, no. Jesus tells us in the Course, that's not true either. He says that no single instant does the body exist at all. It's always remembered or anticipated. So the filter of time in the mind that the ego made is, is, is perpetuating this guilt and perpetuating this sleep. And it's preventing the mind from waking up. So the addiction to this filter of, of time, of past, is, is blocking light from awareness. And that's why it's so important to follow your calling. It's so important to follow your inspirations. When, when you feel these little prompts and nudges from the Holy Spirit, your only part is to, to follow. To follow where that inner voice is leading you. Because the more you follow that intuitive, small, still inner voice, the more you loosen from this grip of linear time. It's time. It's linear time that's the problem. It's not that there really are relationship issues. That's just a projection of the secret dream. It's not that there are health issues in terms of the body. That's just a projection of the secret dream. It's not like there are interpersonal issues or issues between uh, people and the environment or issues like with the pandemic. It's all a projection of the secret dream and that's just the way the ego set it up. And so you, it's like the old uh, TV shows when they first invented television and the first televisions went out into into homes and to living rooms and houses and then occasionally there was some some things that were going on wrong they were having difficulty with the broadcast the broadcast signal and they would put a, a screen on the television don't touch the dial 
The problem is not in your television set. You see, they had to tell the new TV owners, don't be messing with your TV, because you're just going to mess up your TV. It's a, it's a broadcast issue. It's a, it's a broadcast issue, not, it's not in your TV. And yet, to most human beings that they're owning the first TVs, when things start to go haywire, they start banging on the, t banging on the TV, adjusting the antenna, you know. It's the temptation is to believe that there's something right in front of me that's gone wrong. And Jesus is saying, listen, this is your whole world that you perceive is coming from this secret dream. Don't, do not attempt to change the world. Jesus says, seek not to change the world, seek rather to change your mind about the world. He's really saying, come on inside here into your mind. I'm in here. I'm not out there. I'm not a, a, a guy with a beard who lived 2,000 years ago. That was a nice symbol. It was a good puppet, but come inside. I'm right here. I've always been in here. I'm in your mind. And, and if you come inside to me in your mind, I will teach you how to interpret the world in a different way. In a, in a forgiveness way, instead of a judging way. In a, in a holistic way, instead of a fragmented way. In a, a momentary, the, this, mir this moment is your miracle. Sounds like the name of a book. Uh, this moment is, is your miracle. Jesus is saying, come, come with me into your, this moment. This is where your freedom, this is your gateway to eternity, is this moment. And you really have to pay attention and see what's going on in this moment. Because the ego is trying to convince you that you're part of the past. And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to bring you deeper inside to free your mind from this belief that, you're, that you live in the past. So, this is really fantastic because I think right now, what I like about this movie is it really shifts from one thing to the next to the next. First he's writing down the drip. First he's writing down the dead, dead bug. He's noticing all the, the glass breaking. He's noticing the people. He's noticing what's happened inside Grand Central Station. And now, he's at the art gallery and he's just fallen, falling in love with this woman and it's like her ex. Ex, as in past. <laughs> her ex is there and now it's transferring to his relationship. Now you see he's starting to really get angry. Like, like who is this Jonas guy? He's interfering with my, my love relationship. You see how it, it touches every aspect of perception including relationships. That's right. It's not just drips and bugs and, and automobile crashes and glass breaking. Oh no, you know, the, you know, the ego's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like, it's even your relationships. That's why I like the movie Solaris, because basically uh, Chris Kelvin, the psychologist, he, his wife commits suicide after she tells him he She's pregnant, he has a big reaction, she commits suicide, and he feels really regret. He feels regret for the way he acted and behaved towards her, and she has committed suicide. So he has a sense of grief, of loss, of regret, all these things. Then he goes to this planet Solaris, which is basically the reflection of the divine law, all that I give, I give to myself. Giving and receiving are the same. You know, all, you know, the same basic 
law of the universe is reflected in this planet Solaris and he goes there and she reappears uh, because there's a time collapse. It's not like she's dead and gone. She shows up again uh, because she's, it's just an image in the mind. But it's not a holistic image. It's just what he gave away. What the ego made her to be is what she is. Just like on earth. Everyone we meet is just a reflection of our thoughts and it's some unresolved issue now playing out right in front of our face so we can get it right this time. So we can forgive. So we can release the past. That's why every relationship you have, whether you just think of people or you actually meet them in the flesh, they're just opportunities to release the past. It makes it really simple. Imagine a marriage ceremony where the priest is saying, do you promise to release this symbol from the past and, and know your eternal present and, and eternal nature? So help you God. Now that's a, a wedding vow. Now that's a wedding vow. Do you promise to release every scrap of, of past thoughts and past belief? Do you promise to meet this person in the moment for the first time as if you've never known them before? You're not marrying them because of what they are in time and space. You're not marrying them like Fiddler on the Roof because they're a nice catch. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a fine, catch me a catch. You know, this is not about finding a good match, a partner. It's starting to realize that, that whoever you perceive in this world, whatever you perceive, you're perceiving of what you thought you knew of them in the past. And generally, if you like it, then you're attracted. And if you don't like it, you're re repelled, you're repulsed. But the, Christ is not about attraction and repulsion. The Holy Spirit can use these things that the ego has made to help you get into the forgiveness. But, but we're never meeting somebody completely in the present moment. Because if we met them fully in the present, we would see that they're light and we're light. <laughs> and everything is light. That's, that would be like a, a revelatory moment. But the Holy Spirit is going to say, I'm going to use this seeming relationship to help you get over your time idea because the only thing that's upsetting you is not their personality, it's not the way they look, it's not the way they act, it's not the way they smell, <laughs> it's not anything about the five senses, it's just that they are representing the past. The body is a concretized form of guilt. And who our brothers and sisters are and who we are is light. We're light. We're not concretized guilt. You can't be eternal joy and concretized guilt. So you see how deep this movie goes. This, this scene right here is, he's just like, now, he's not only seeing all these synchronicities, but now he's seeing the same Grand Central Station scene that he's seen in, during the daylight at 222. And now he's at nighttime seeing this projected gallery art show where he, now he's getting angry. Now he's like, what is happening? And it's really just something beautiful is happening. The Holy Spirit is, is showing He's showing all of us that what we thought was real, what we thought was uh, 
was who we are, what we thought was reality is is just a projection of the past and, and nothing more. That's lesson number seven actually from the workbook of A Course in Miracles. So here we go, it's getting interesting now. <laughs> His relationship perception is undergoing a huge uh, shift right now. Okay, so he's discovered these letters um, as, he, as he falls down and he goes, climbs back up to make a repair, he sees something, it catches his eye. You know, it doesn't really matter whether you use astrology or the Spirit guides you to find certain things and see certain things, or whether it's past life regressions or whatever, but the, the thing about this amnesia thing is the ego made up linear time, but what seems to be a human lifetime seems to be an independent event that between birth and death that has a, like a beginning and an end. And the ego doesn't want you to know that what you perceive as a lifetime between birth and death is just a, a repetition of, of time. In other words, he's starting to discover that who he seems to be now in this life, uh, he seemed to be someone else in a previous life. You know, this is not uncommon. There's so many uh, movies that examine this idea of many lifetimes. It's very common in Eastern religions, uh, reincarnation. Uh, even Jesus worked with Helen and Bill and said, he told them basically they had been together in many li lifetimes. In fact, there was one lifetime where uh, Helen Shuckman was a priestess and she had Bill killed. <laughs> it gives new meaning to kill Bill. <laughs> which is which is a movie. <laughs> she literally had Bill killed in a previous lifetime. So, uh, you know, and there's some things too with like Gary Renard and Beverly Hutchinson and I mean there's even among course teachers some some have killed other <laughs> other ones and this is all buried. This is all coming from the secret dream. Uh, this is all a projection of images from the secret dream, where, where it seems like there's different lifetimes, and there's different people, and it's the same projection of guilt, it's the same, the same hurt, the same grievances, murder stories. Well, the ego is, is a murderous idea, the belief you can be something other than God created you. The ego itself is a murderous thought, not a real thing, but it's a puff of nothing, but, but actually it seems when you give it the power of your mind, it's like giving the power of your Christ mind to a death wish. And then it shouldn't be surprising that if that's part of the secret dream, then what we perceive as the world of time and space and the history is just a reenactment of, of this belief in separation from God. What I like about this scene is, you know, he's he discovers this passport, he discovers uh, these letters and everything, and it looks like a love relationship from a previous uh, generation. And um, what now he's starting to get a little bit of a clue that all the things he's seeing there, the the murder scene in Grand Central Station, the the characters that are playing out, and this thing that just happened with Jonas. Um, 
he's starting to get a little bit of an idea that he's just perceiving something that is replaying from the past. And this is what the Course is really aiming at. Even with Helen Shuckman and Bill Thetford, you know, they were research psychologists, but believe me, the more they got involved with the Course, the more they got involved with working with Jesus, he was using things like past lives, um, which is still just a metaphor because obviously uh, the past isn't real to Jesus, but he has to reach these characters, so to speak, reach the mind that believes in these characters to start to have it loosen from its belief that it is these characters. Talk about going beyond the body, you know, that's, that's quite a, a task. If your mind is sleeping and dreaming and you become so identified with the body, now Jesus has to find a way to help the mind loosen from this body identification. Because why? Because it's generating so much guilt. It's, it's literally a projection of the guilt. The guilt is in the secret dream, but it's projected out as if who left who? Who's with who? Who said this thing? Who said that thing? Who did who wrong? You know, it, it, the whole projection is a projection of blame, finger pointing, this country. I mean, even with the, the uh, pandemic, you know, it's like there's always a search for, okay, who's, who's to blame for the pandemic? Is it, is it the Chinese? Is it the Iranians? Is it who, did, who transferred it? Who, you know, who, let's trace this thing, you know, who's to fault? Who's to blame? It's a projection of the secret dream. Nobody's to blame. The, none of the characters on the screen are to blame for something that's being dreamed in secret for the unconscious mind. So that's fantastic. I mean, this movie and the teachings of the Course are helping us out so much because when we're tempted to blame somebody in the world, when we're tempted to blame our bodies, when we're tempted to blame our neighbors, our friends, our lovers, our companions, when we're tempted to blame the government, when we're tempted to blame John, Donald Trump, when we're tempted to blame Hitler or Mussolini or you fill in Osama bin Laden or Saddam Hussein or fill in the blank, you can start to realize it's the secret dream where the, the, the fear is, the anger, the, the horror, the, the pain is all coming from this secret dream that Jesus is talking about. And he's wanting us to expose it. He's wanting us to bring the darkness to the light. He's wanting us to, to expose all our beliefs. And in the end, he wants us to expose our belief in linear time. That's what really exposing private thoughts is about. You're not just spilling the beans about what your thoughts are around time and space, but you're actually beginning the process of exposing to the light the belief in linear time. And we get a clue from this in the Course where Jesus says, time and eternity cannot coexist. Isn't that a beautiful line? Time and eternity cannot coexist. Eternity is everlasting. Eternity is forever. Eternity doesn't have a beginning or an end. Eternity is God. And, and time and eternity cannot coexist. And time and God cannot coexist.
That's why Eckhart is always pointing to the power of now. That's why he's been talking for years about the power of the present moment. Even when there's fear around what, what will happen with the pandemic, uh, and, and how will the pandemic play out, still I hear Eckhart saying, well, the pandemic cannot really affect you right now. It's a, it's a future thought. That's where the fear is coming in. Or a past thought, maybe looking at what happened at previous, <laughs> at the Black Plague, it, it, like, oh my God, look what happened to the Black Plague. What if this COVID thing is going to be the, that or worse? You see, past, future. That was one of our, our themes, wasn't it? Past, future thoughts. Now we're really getting down to the core of things. That's why there's a fear of loss, is because the past future thoughts are believed to be real. That's why, it was the Spanish one, fear of being cared for, taken care of? Ah, what's really underneath that is past future thoughts. That's why all the saints and mystics have talked about the present moment, because they are onto it. They're reflections of, we need to be present, we need to really be present. Now, you may be thinking, well, what about my career? Well, are you willing to give your career over to the light and be divinely guided and receive your sustenance from the Holy Spirit and Jesus and divine providence? That's why I've been talking for the last 20 years about divine providence. It's not because I just have nothing better to talk about. It's important. It's about guidance. It's about following your intuition. It's about you know, I, the reason I keep talking about this Divine Providence is because why do you think uh, Mother Teresa kept talking about Divine Providence? Do you think she just had nothing better to talk about? No. Why did St. Francis talk about Divine Providence? Why are the saints and mystics talking about Divine Providence? Instead of a career, I would, I would say, why not have a Divine Providence career? Why not make that your career? You know, you can take that into your career counselors and let them smoke that in their pipe. And then if they go, where did you hear these crazy ideas? You should be developing your skills and, and planning for the future and going back to college. And you say, well, there's this crazy guy, David, and he does these Wednesday night movie gatherings and he's, he's talking about divine providence. You tell your career counselors about divine providence and let them smoke that in their pipe for a while. But but do it with joy, because you're wanting to share the light of Christ. You're not wanting to, to devastate them, but you're actually wanting to light them up, you know, to show the way. Because what we teach is what we learn. You know, we're always teaching ourselves. When I'm talking about Divine Providence for the last 20 years, it's because I stopped school, I stopped going to university, I, I let go of jobs and career and all those things, ambitions and future goals and everything like this, because I honestly felt called to follow Jesus and his teachings. Not just to do course workshops and course conferences and write books and, and make a Course in Miracles career. I'm in it for the joy. I'm in it for the happiness. I'm in it for eternal life. That's what I'm in it for. I'm not in it to make some kind of a, a a linear construct out of this thing. I'm in it for actual happiness. I'm in it for truth. This is about truth. This isn't about 
about making the world a better place or trying to, to come up with another self-concept. Leave that to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will use whatever you believe in and step by step will take you more and more and more into this trusting the Spirit, more and more into the divine providence. So at this point of the movie, you know, this is fantastic because our main character, he's already been fired. He's been suspended. Wasn't that beautiful? The Holy Spirit uh, got him out of that job, uh, that air traffic controller job, lickety-split. And now he's got a girlfriend, she's got a job. There you go, see? There's, there's a little divine providence going on there. The girlfriend has a job and, uh, and yet he's, he's on suspension and now he's at this art gallery and now he's starting to question his whole perception of this world. Because of all the synchronicities and because of what he just saw in that art gallery, he's like, he's seriously suspicious about this world now. And, and that's what he's going to need. Because remember, when they had the conversation, she wanted to be a dancer and she's working at an art gallery. And he wanted to fly, but he's too afraid to fly. So he's an air traffic controller. So you see, they haven't really followed their inspirations. They have settled for a compromise. And this is how the ego works. It always wants us to settle for less, settle for compromise. And what's the greatest compromise is, what if we really are the Christ and we've been playing uh, fleshy characters, these little human characters, instead of accepting ourselves as the living Christ that God created. Now that's a compromise too, to believe that you're a body instead of an eternal spirit. That's a, that's a pretty uh, major compromise. And yet, we project that compromise in the mind out to the world. And so, every day we seem to go through a thousand compromises, but we don't think of them as compromises, but really, we're still compromising our truth, our reality, by playing little. The ego likes to emphasize our littleness. The ego likes to emphasize our frailty. The ego likes to emphasize our weakness. It doesn't want us to feel like we're whole and complete. It doesn't want to, us to realize we're divine beings of light. It wants us to hold on to these tiny little self-concepts that include this projected world. And now we're at the point, big time, where our main character is like, he's starting to, uh, to question. Now he's, I mean, he's had a bit of a falling out with his, uh, in his relationship. This sometimes happens. If you start to, to have a big shift, a miraculous shift, it can seem, the ego would tell you, it puts a strain on your, on your human relationships. But it's just a, a reorganization of perception. It's just, perception is starting to be reorganized and taken closer to the forgiven world or the happy dream. That's all that's really happening. But uh, at this point, he, he is still facing these thoughts and these uh, feelings that he has. So, here we go. We're zooming ahead here. Okay, so he's starting to become aware that there was a love triangle uh, back in, in this time 
and there was a, a, a murder that took place inside this love triangle. And he's, he's a little bit aware that there's a bit of a love triangle going on <laughs> in, in his relationship with Sarah and then Jonas, uh, the ex, is there. So you start to see that the past just repeats and so what he's perceiving is this, this uh, murder where these, these people were killed at Grand Central Station you know, some years ago, and he keeps seeing these visions over and over and over. It's really showing clearly that the past repeats. Now, the thing about reincarnation and like a lot of Eastern philosophies is if you look at the concept of karma, it's the idea that you've done things wrong in the past. You know, you've, you've not lacked, acted in love, you've, you've done things wrong, you've made mistakes, and then you, you're paying for your past karma. You're paying for what you did in the past. And, and you're just getting all these opportunities to correct, to literally pay for or undo the karma. Except Jesus is telling us that it's not what you did in the past that's the problem, you know, in terms of actions. What your body did right or did wrong is not causative at all. You've never done anything right, and you've never done anything wrong. That kind of pops a hole in karma, as karma is talked about, because you're not paying for your past mistakes in form. It's the secret dream again, remember? That's why the secret dream is so important, because it's the secret dream, the dream that you dream in secret, that, it, that is producing the dream that you gave away. And the guilt is coming from, from the unconscious mind. It's in the mind. It's not in the form. That's why, you know, when somebody says, well, uh, maybe they were a mass murderer in the past and now they've got to pay their price in this lifetime for what they did in the past lifetime. It's all the past. <laughs> what, what seems to be their current lifetime is the past. It's just as much of a past as, as the past lifetime. And in fact, if you read uh, Disappearance of the Universe, you'd hear uh, it's talked about your future lifetimes. I call them future pasts. There's the future past. You know, it's the whole, it's the whole dream of time and space that is the past. And that's why until you expose the faulty beliefs, and still you, until you release the attack thoughts, until you expose this unconscious secret dream and wish to only think thoughts you think with God. My mind holds only what I think with God. Until you, you come to that place of forgiveness in the mind, then the dream will just reflect what is still unconscious, what's still in the secret dream. So that's why the whole point is to become fully conscious, not, to not have hidden secrets in the unconscious mind, but to let everything come to the surface. When, when you have an irritation, don't just stuff that back down. You know, you, you have to acknowledge that irritation and you also have to acknowledge that there's, there's a belief and there's a thought that's associated with that discomfort. I've been working with a, a friend, uh, Elisa, down in Peru and 
when I met her and talked with her, she said, oh, I just, I, I really don't like to be negative. I don't like to feel bad feelings. And so I ignore them, I deny them, I stuff them. Uh, I, I think, I don't want to be a bad person and I don't want to have such dark feelings and thoughts. And so she just said, I, 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 I've been trained that those are not good, those are, I, that's not ladylike. It's not ladylike to be angry. It's not ladylike to be, you know, fearful or to be jealous and everything like this. And I said, no, you're actually going to have to feel, feel those feelings. You're going to have to actually let those up into awareness and, and stop pushing them away. And then last night, when she wrote to me and I called her, she, her eyes were all puffy and it looks like she'd been crying for hours. But when we talked, the tears were just streaming down her cheeks last night when I called her. And yet, she said, David, as the tears were coming down, I'm really just trying to really feel the feelings. I'm really just trying to allow them up into awareness. And you know, we talked for 15-20 minutes and she was actually glowing. The puffiness started to leave her eyes. Her cheeks got glowing and she, you could see her face change. She was actually laughing with me after 20 minutes, after we kind of merged in the, the joy of the miracle. But I just was saying, I just let her emote. I let her pour out. She, she was saying the words, I need to tell these things to somebody. I need to express some of these emotions. You know, I need to allow myself to feel these feelings even if they're uncomfortable. And that's really part of bringing the darkness to the light. You do have to give yourself permission to feel the feelings. You do have to allow yourself, you have to allow it because it's part of the process of the healing. And eventually the more you get into the allowance of that and the more you, you really can join through prayer with the Holy Spirit, then that time of, of those dark emotions just gets, it just gets shortened and, and you are more able to choose the miracle uh, in, a, in, in a very, in a much more direct way as you get better and better at handing those emotions and handing those thoughts over to the Holy Spirit. It actually, you can feel the benefits. It's, it's the benefits. I think, uh, I saw Eric posting today, it's our next, it's September retreat, isn't it? Full transparency, is that the next one? Transparency. Transparency, no private thoughts and no people pleasing. That's been announced as our, uh, our September uh, retreat, online retreat. And you see how that fits in with this movie, and you see how that fits in with going beyond the body. But we're talking psychologically, What's so important in healing here? I'm not saying you should interrupt. If you have a meditation practice, that's great. If you have a yoga practice, that's great. But I'm saying in terms of what Jesus is offering us, He's trying to help us save time. He's, he's trying to give us the, the fast track for healing. He, he doesn't want us to perceive suffering in ourselves. He wants us to, to come through the, the seeming suffering and come into the light. So that's what this is really all about. That's why we're going into this in this way, is, is just a matter of, uh, of, of saving time through the miracle. 
So, here we go. He's just gone to the art gallery. Now it's even more graphic. He's, it's, a, it's a gallery of, 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 the, of the crime scene uh, in photos. And so, what a blessing. He's getting everything in a very fast way. He's being shown that everything that he perceives is the past. And, and, and that he's going to have to forgive, or at least we could say face, some of these uh, thoughts in order to heal. Okay, now this is how people feel about A Course in Miracles sometime. <laughs> they, they, they're trying to follow Jesus and they're like, oh, I, they just, you just want to break something. Because <laughs> it's pretty intense, you know. Or, it's like, you know, you can't always explain thing, things metaphysically to your girlfriend. It's just, this is why Jesus has to be in charge. <laughs> because it doesn't come out right, you know, when you try to say there's meaning in the patterns, and you've been doing everything to discover the patterns, and then and she's saying, they don't mean anything. Ultimately she's right, they don't mean anything. <laughs> she's absolutely correct, but it's just this, the discovery of of the beliefs. It's a, what it is, is you have to start to really take an honest look at what is it that I believe in. Because in one sense you could say that it's by hiding and, and not wanting to look that that's how the secret dream is protected. Jesus even has a a section in the Course called The Fear to Look Within. That's why the mind is so attracted to all the distractions on the surface. It's because there's a fear to look within. There's a fear to look at the unconscious mind. The ego has said, don't ever come back into your mind. You better hide in time and space because if you come back into your mind, God will get you. God will kill you. And so it's part of a whole scheme to keep the mind from looking inward. Most of us, you know, were raised and grew up, you know, we weren't necessarily uh, all Ramana Maharshis, you know, wondering who am I and doing self-inquiry uh, from the time we were like two years old. Most of us got pretty well off into developing the self-concept and trying to build a self-concept instead of to inquire what's going on in our consciousness, what's going on in our mind. But I do like the, the, the aspect of this, this whole movie, which is kind of pointing to, to looking within and noticing things. Because it's not so much the patterns themselves that are important, it's just what, what are these thought patterns? Not so much necessarily trying to be like Sherlock Holmes and figure out the patterns and form, or in his case, you know, he's like saying, we died, we die on, was tomorrow, we die on Friday or whatever, it's his birthday. You know, Jesus is not telling us that the form is causative or that we have to try to change the world or, or try to prevent things from happening or all this protectionism that comes with the ego. But what he is saying is just honestly, openly look at your thoughts and look at your beliefs and honestly ask yourself, is this what spirit would think? 
Is this thought what God would think? You know, it, it, it's like really turning over what the thoughts that you experienced and saying, is this really something that God would think? Is this really something that a creation of God would think? And you start to loosen your mind and, and be willing to let go and release attack thoughts. Uh, that's lesson number 23 from the workbook. I can escape from the world I see by giving up attack thoughts. And he does say in the workbook, he said, you never really have looked at everything in your mind, honestly. Um, that that you, you retain hidden scraps of guilt. And that's what the unconscious mind is. It's hidden scraps of guilt. And so that's our task for healing, is really to to not retain or hold on to, not to hide or protect any of these scraps of guilt. That's where the the the, the transparency is is so important. But at this point, um, it seems like Sarah is, you know, she's had to have a choice whether whether these thoughts, whether these patterns seem to have any kind of meaning or not. And, and even a, a good therapist will, will never try to take anything away from the patient, but it's more just a gradual sense of shining the light and, and giving the mind an opportunity to, to look at, to choose again or to reevaluate certain interpretations. So in this point, um, he's, he's quite frustrated and angry because he's, he still feels there's a purpose or meaning for him seeing all these things and experiencing all these things. And for her, she's just admitting that it's, you know, for her it's quite overwhelming. Like it's it just, it's unfathomable. She cannot uh, hold it in her mind that, that things could, could, all these nuances, all these patterns, all these synchronicities could have any kind of a, of a, a deeper meaning. And ultimately it's, it's still always good to remember that these are just symbols and they're just giving my mind an opportunity to, to choose a new interpretation, to choose to align with the Holy Spirit. That's the positive interpretation of everything. It's just an opportunity to, to join with the Holy Spirit and to choose again, to choose the Holy Spirit's interpretation. Okay, here we go. Hmm, beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, that was a nice symbol too at the at the end of the movie with um, seeing him as a, as a pilot uh, and she with with their baby. In the sense that sometimes people say, "How do I reconcile the script is written with these seeming changes in symbols or s witnesses that are drawn forth?" and that's also the beauty of the miracle in the sense that, that it's the Holy Spirit's task to exchange self-concepts. And you might say that's part of the purification of thoughts, that only the loving thoughts are true and the Holy Spirit is always purifying the thoughts and keeping just what's true and letting go of, of the rest. And so it seems like, as you perceive the dream, that there seems to be shifts and changes, or you just draw forth uh, reflections 
of, of an opening heart, of reflections of integrity, reflections of transparency, reflections of, of love, as you go through this forgiveness process, through this transformation. And so it's all still, the, the dream is the past, but as you listen to guidance and you follow that guidance, then you, your dream seems to be filled up more and more with reflections of, of love. You know, I know in my case, it was like taking on a traveling function, a speaking function around the United States and the world and so forth. And there was lots of reflections of smiling faces and laughter and joy and many, many, many hugs and all kinds of reflections that, that are part of a convincing that the Holy Spirit does for the sleeping mind to start to be convinced that the, that the world is just an effect, it's just reflections of our mind. And as we clear our mind, we allow our mind to go through a purification process, then we do perceive reflections and of this, um, this healing, this clearing of the mind. And really what it is, is it, it does allow you to just follow the guidance more and more consistently and also to let go of this idea of time, of waiting for something, of, of future goals. Uh, you know, your, your reflection of how your life seems to be, even in terms of of the perception shifts when your focus becomes more on open communication, heart-to-heart -heart open communication, transparency, say what you mean, mean what you say, be open, be direct, you know, then that's part of the approach to coming to the present moment. And, and it really just opens your mind up more towards these revelatory experiences where you have these direct experiences of light that are not perceptual at all. And, and those are like glimmers of eternity. Those are like glimmers of, of your vision, of your Christ vision coming, coming in. So I, I really like this movie because it really takes it, you know, whereas Groundhog Day and a lot of the looping movies have such overt loops it's like the same day plays out over and over and over. That's one way of, of showing it. But also with this movie, it was more the, the, the synchronicities and the seeming coincidences or the, these um, experiences breaking through and him starting to know the, see the patterns more and more. And, and yet in the end, he had to have the, he had to feel the, the love, the connection that was there, that always has been there, that, that was key for him in, in opening up to, to a different perception. And also releasing some of these limiting beliefs. I mean, he clearly stated early on when he first met her, uh, she's like, why aren't you flying? You know, and he's like, I'm afraid to fly, he said with a laugh. You see how he, dis he, he admitted it, he disclosed it. But that was part of the healing process as well. And um, in the end, you know, there he was in his pilot's uniform, uh, 
looking up saying, hmm, no plane. You know, it wasn't like he was so focused on the, the synchronicities and so forth at that point, but it was like off he was in his next uh, assignment as a pilot after all those years of avoiding flying. You know, it was a symbol of him opening his heart up and building his, his trust and his, his confidence. So these are beautiful heart-opening movies. I, I hope you really enjoyed uh, that, that movie because it's one of those kind of movies where you start to take, it helps you get a closer look at this whole topic of time. And, um, and then you start to look at your decisions, actually, that you're making, your daily decisions of being guided. And the, the Holy Spirit will always guide you towards the present moment. The Holy Spirit is not about trying, like I was talking about in the movie last, last week, I think uh, it was uh, Adjustment Bureau, where the, the uh, angels were always talking about him being elected president and uh, winning four elections. And you can, you can start to hear it, even in the, the guidance of those angels, you know, they were, they were trying to basically say that he should stay apart from, uh, from this uh, woman that he was brought together with and, and basically saying it was all for a future goal, you know, so he could be elected president and win all these elections. And that's one of the ways you can tell how the ego tries to distract you. Anything that tries to take you off into a time self-concept, perpetuating a linear time Personhood self-concept is basically the ego distracting you away from the holy instant. And anything that you're drawn to that takes you into the stillness, into more open direct communication, into to speaking up and speaking the words that the Holy Spirit gives you, sharing and strengthening the thoughts of, of the Holy Spirit, however you are guided to do that, however you are inspired to do that, that's, that's taking you into the present moment, into the holy instant. And obviously the ego wants you to hold on to some kind of earthly self-concept, body identification, and, and it mainly tries to reinforce the, the idea that the past was real and the future is real. <laughs> that's basically what it's trying to do all the time, is reinforce this distortion of, uh, of the belief in linear time. So, wow, another mind opener, amazing, amazing mind opener. So, uh, Eric, maybe you can open it up. I would love to hear from, uh, from everyone to see what, how that was for you, what that meant for you, what, what uh, that brought up for you, or what insights and, and uh, what things you saw in the movie for the benefit of, of all of us. Okay, I see Esther put her hand up. So go ahead, Esther. I wanted to share first the miracle. First, I heard Slava writing about the I Am Presence at, and it inspired me. And then I talked to Alan about the I am presence that I wanted to be inspired and experience that. And he 
which was coming up and bubbling was, and then I started to look at the um, thoughts and feelings. I was having suicidal thoughts and feelings and very uncomfortable feelings. And I was realizing that they were just thoughts and they were meaningless thoughts. And I took it one step further. Um, Last Monday, I had a lot of uncomfortable feelings coming up and I just let them stay. And I realized from Alan talking to me and what you're saying too is just reinforcing it that that you not identify yourself with what's changing. And so, and you're that, and that's constant or whatever. I don't know. Um, I just stayed with those feelings on Monday. And then I started watching being Erica and all of a sudden just something lifted and it just stayed with me for the last couple of days. Um, and, and then the idea that came to me was that I had a prayer on Tuesday morning. It was, I just want to know that I can, I'm a, I'm a, the dream. I want a thought like that ever. And because I'd always been distracted by the thoughts and feelings and identified that that's who I was. And when he had those um, experiences that he was expressing to her in the apartment before she left to go to Jonas, and she was saying that these are just his perception, but they're meaningless. Well, when my, when my adopted father died, all of a sudden the radio was talking directly to me. And the, um, it was a complete full-blown psychotic episode that was my I guess it wasn't my first, but it was my first in, the, in this in this country. And um, and so at first I thought maybe it was the same thing that he was going through. But then you you were taking it so many steps further than that. In, in explaining what what's going on, I, I can't express it yet. I, like like you know, um, and then the last thing you said that the tr- the the time self concept was another thing that I also had a prayer about that I wanted to see that that the new ideas about time to experience new ideas about time. That was another prayer and let go of this self concept and and what's changing and i'm and i'm just i'm just joyful and i'm and i'm happy and and when when something comes up that isn't so-called an issue uh, a topic of distraction um then Then I can I can I can sense see now that it's the feelings that will tell me that this is a distraction. If I'm lost in it, I can look to the feelings and say, "Oh, I'm not feeling very comfortable right now. This must be a distraction." What I'm thinking, and my project now is to help 
to work with Alan to trade the stock market and the futures market, help him with the futures market, me with the stock market. And I'm totally, we, we took a trade and I decided the Holy Spirit seemed to be guiding me to get out. And um, I did make a profit. And, but the point is that I really want to do this activity if I'm going to do it to experience the present moment. Is that a proper approach? Because I, I feel like if I'm being guided, even if there's a loss, it still would be in the context of being guided for a purpose, a higher purpose, not to make money, you know? And I, I just want to know if, if you have any thoughts that you could share with me about what I just shared about my growing experience with, with guidance and, 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 and the thoughts about meaningless thoughts and any of this, since we talk about it with, I talk about it with him. If, if you can take it any steps for me, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Esther. Yeah, I can, it's, it's a good example you're giving because uh, toward the back of the text of A Course in Miracles, Jesus in the self versus self-concept section, he does say that you will make many self-concepts as learning goes along. Um, but each, each one will be really like loosening uh, the, the ego's grip uh, in, your, in your mind. In other words, the Holy Spirit, it's not like the Holy Spirit does the magician trick where he just pulls the, pulls the tablecloth out <laughs> from under you and, the, and the, the silverware and the glasses and everything go flying and, and crashing down. Basically, we are given uh, a series of self-concepts that starts to feel more expansive, more peaceful, more uh, in alignment. And to use your example about uh, the stock market futures and everything, if you have, have felt like you have been concerned about money, and concerned about uh, inheritance, and concerned about financial things, that the Holy Spirit can guide you in ways so that what you're perceiving as Esther in, in the world starts to feel more relaxed around this issue of money, um, where you start to, to feel things are clicking and flowing as you follow your guidance, and the, and the stress that you've felt around money or lack starts to loosen in your mind. Uh, I just, last night I actually was getting some messages on Facebook, and one of them was, um, it was I was being, the, the, friend was writing in saying, the Holy Spirit is guiding me to get into Bitcoin, uh, to invest in Bitcoin. And, um, and then she, she wrote, uh, I have such guilt around this because I can't imagine that the Holy Spirit would uh, have me uh, investing in Bitcoin or whatever. And I just wrote back, I love you. <laughs> that was my response. But, but you see, ultimately what it is, is this is where we learn divine providence by following guidance. That's where the divine providence is. It's not saying how the symbols are going to work out in the world, but it's saying 
as we connect, as we are inspired, as we learn to follow guidance, our self-concept shifts more and more to a place of relaxation, of calm, tranquility, peacefulness, where things just seem to be flowing along and, and that's what the Divine Providence is. It's not saying that you have to be like the Buddha, and you have to go out on the street with a robe on, an orange robe or something, and get your begging bowl out. It doesn't prescribe the form, but it does come with a sense of ease, so that you feel more and more relaxed. And I know that's one of those things that you've, you know, you've been aware of, is uh, the, like a financial pressure, financial stress, uh, that's why it was so important around your mother signing documents and and all the things that you've talked about in recent weeks. There's a there is a bit of a a concern uh, about about survival and and money and so forth. So that's just an example about how as you relax and you learn to just tune in and align with those thoughts of of support from the from the spirit. The spirit will give you guidance that you'll feel re more relaxed with, more comfortable with, and then the, the strains and stresses around taking care of yourself as the body of Esther, you know, start to loosen. As your identification with that, with that body becomes less and less, and you, you literally let the miracles come through to shift your perception of the whole world, including of Esther, then, you know, then you can feel a sense of ease coming in, like a sense of lightness and joy. That's what your conversations with Alan are about, you know. It's, you're, you're joining with your brother, you're connecting, you're saying, we share the same purpose. Even when you said, uh, focusing more on the I am presence, you know, trying to consciously focus your mind more in that direction, that's, that's, that is the Holy Spirit, that's the Spirit drawing you more towards the Holy Instant. And, and away from the focus on time. So yeah, it's a good example. Thank you for sharing that. That's all, you always have very uh, practical examples of how we, we can take what we just saw in the movie and, and put that into, into practice. So thank you, Esther. Love you. Okay, I am going to go to Hazel next. Go ahead, Hazel, you can unmute yourself there on the screen. Thank you. So, um, I, I sort of felt prompted and compelled to share. I, I can't see anyone on the screen. Hi there, um, I'll, I'll hi. talk up and see, there we hi. go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's just been a while since I've, I've shared and um, um, sort of uh, have a, a longing to, you know, want to uh, connect and, and join more deeply with, with uh, you all. And the, the movie gatherings seem to be more of an intimate uh, experience um, for that to happen. So I'm very grateful for that. And um, uh, thank you, Esther and uh, David, for that um, uh, beautiful um, response, uh, you know, because we're all connected in one and receive so much from each other that way. And um, 
since I was in, uh, since I got back from Mexico, there's just been a lot going on here and um, a lot of unwinding. Um, and um, um, I got back in the beginning of March and uh, in March we listed and sold our home and then April, May, June, we were sort of packing and purging and putting everything away. And now um, for the, so we were, we've been homeless for the month of July, kind of living out here in this, in this um, campground. It's, uh, and we, we found it, it's called Peace Valley of all things. And right um, on a, a creek here in East Kelowna. And it's just, it's been just sort of a beautiful, remarkable place for, for us to land and, um, and just and, and and to continue with our search and our and our house hunt, and I've been just kind of floating down the the creek every day. It's just so relaxing just to just go into the the river and be swept with the current, a very gentle stream, and um and just receive the um the the uh, the natural flow of 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 that and and um uh you know so it's been busy and um. And then just uh, this weekend, it's been a long weekend in Canada. We've um, we, we've we've secured, we've downsized, and we've secured a um, a mobile home. We've we spent um, several several weeks uh, searching um, very uh, diligently, and um, a lot of the places were just unacceptable. And then just continuing to follow the guidance of spirit coming through to provide us with a a beautiful place just on Saturday and uh, today. Uh, so, so, so we, we've, we've, um, we've um, secured it. And so, so we have a home to move to now for the end of August and just so much gratitude. I just, um, today uh, it finally enrolled for the, for the movie watchers month. And um, I, um it's been a hundred degrees here and we, we don't have any air conditioning in the um, travel trailer that we've been in. And so I've been sort of sitting and I was sitting in my air conditioned car, uh, listening to the first part of the, of the movie gathering. And um, I'm sorry, uh, Eric, I just had to, you know, I, I wasn't getting the, the, the proper uh, audio. It just sort of kept cutting out. So I had to keep it on, uh, keep, keep the, the, the movie projector on so that I would get the clear audio. So it's just been a, a real um, move in um, um, uh, trying to stay present. And, and, and there's, there's just, and so Eric tuned into the, the, the shakiness that was happening at this end here. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful, Eric, because um, uh, w- with that, you know, Holy Spirit guidance, it just sort of put me into a place. I, I had, a, I just had a total meltdown and, um, with the, the outpouring of support and love that came through that. Um, and uh, so I had to completely let go of my intellect and be in my heart to receive whatever seemed to be coming through. And um, I just wanted to thank you, David and Eric and Esther and everybody for um, just, just for the immense love and, and support that is so, profoundly shared and um yeah thank you so much thank you very much thank you thank you hazel we love you we're right there with you it's great hearing your your adventures unwinding adventures 
and going into the present. So you're a great witness, great witness for us. That's beautiful. Mm. Ah, thank you so much, Hazel. It's beautiful. I'm going to go to Diana there in Camas. You can unmute yourself. Or you might need to, there you go, Greg's clicking the mic, the unmute button for you. Thank you, Eric. Hi, David. Um, I wanted to, uh, I just had to share about this movie. I've never seen it, but... uh, Two, two, two. I mean, numbers have numbers have been a huge symbol on my, you know, on this seeming journey. Right? They've been like a huge symbol. In fact, this morning, is there any way I could see somebody? But if not, that's okay. This is cool. A blank yeah. screen. Um, oh, that's better. Hello. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, this morning, I was eating a protein bar, and I was looking at the package, and it said two, two, two. And then I'm ending my day with two, two, two. And it's, it's always had, um, the connotation that's always come up for me around two, two, two is don't give up five minutes before the miracle happens. Um, but it's just that numbers have been such a strong symbol. But the other thing about this movie that I absolutely loved that helped me so much and I'm so grateful for is Why get upset when all I'm doing is remembering or reviewing what's already happened? It's already happened. Just relax, Diana. Just relax. Stay in the moment. Stay vertical. It's already happened. Nothing you do is going to change that. I mean, you can get yourself upset. Yeah, you can do that. But why? I don't have to do that. And, um... That's just, oh, it just feels so warm and so, uh, it just feels so soothing to be reminded of that. What a precious, precious gift. And I thank you so much. Thank you, Diana. Thank you. That's just resonating. It's, It's like radiating all this love to all of us. And, and it reminds me of a couple lines from the course right around the, rules for decision uh, area. One, one of them is, uh, there is no escape from what must occur, which is a, a, another great uh, relaxing one. And, and, uh, and then there's another one that's basically saying, um, you know, that, that we, we basically are watching, like you said, reviewing mentally what has gone by. And, and, and when he says, seek not to change the world, then it makes perfect sense uh, that we can focus our full attention on our purpose. And, and that's where our attention needs to be. You know, what is it for? What is it for? You know, he, we can ask that. Or I like that workbook lesson where he says, who walks with me? This question can be asked a thousand times a day. Uh, don't you just love it where, where we're pointed in the direction of, of where our attention needs to go, and then we're also told where we don't need to go, <laughs> which is concern and worry about uh, the, the, the script 
the world of form, you know, which which used to be our preoccupation, but no longer is our preoccupation. So, thank you for your witness. You know, that's that's huge. We can see it written all over your face. Uh, the relief. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, thank you. I'll go to Stephen next. Go ahead, Stephen. Hey, all right. Man, David, you just knock them out. Every time you get up to bat, it's a grand slam, and crowd goes wild in my mind, and all these connections get made, all the patterns get seen, and, 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 it, and it just becomes so clear more and more for me, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Um, boy, this whole time theme and, and you know, the peaceful warrior, um, where are you here? What, you know, what, what time is it now? Um, what are you, the present moment and just how that keeps flowing through here and another, yet another, um, exposure of, of the time theme and the addiction to time. And I'm surely seeing that, um, play out in my dream, in my parable and, and, and just all of my control mechanisms, the control tower. Oh my gosh. That's, that's just my environment. That's me. I see that in, in play and how thrilling that is to get involved in the chaos and to try to get it under control and to feel the relief once I get it under control and have some false sense of hope that I can maintain it and keep it under control. But I tell you what, this thing's coming apart, man. It's just like a, a shopping cart at the mall. And it's not just a wobbly wheel, but a wheel's already fallen off and it's trying to hold it together. And I, I, I keep fooling myself thinking I'm going to hold this thing together and get it more under control. But you, you expose that beautifully for me more so tonight, and actually relaxed me into this, um, not waffling so much, but it's just a contrast. And, and, and it's kind of like that announcement that says, may I have your attention, please? And it's a gentle announcement by the Holy Spirit upon invitation and saying, please guide me, be thou my vision. And then I get those, I get those exquisite um, moments, those, the holy instant, the, the miracle, and that's just all popping nicely. And then, of course, uh, there's this loud um, shriek uh, of ego that wants to put my mind back into the busyness and get busy and it's all falling apart and get it back under control and it's just nonstop busyness. And that contrast is, is, is really um, uh, stark, but I, I, I could see it. I could see it and I have to laugh at it because even though it feels, I could feel the dissonance, I could feel the disconnect, I could feel the busyness of, of my attention you know, being corralled to control the dream, uh, be the control tower, and then I can feel the release of that when I see the setup, when I see when I release it, when I forgive it, and just kind of get a good chuckle out of it, and, and, and how that how that feels, so that, that right use of judgment. I love in this movie how um, <laughs> that control tower, but a pilot that can't fly, and a dancer that can't dance, and how that specialness set up, and, and how they met at the aerial ballet, and I, I saw that as that's 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 where the holy relationship is really playing itself out. It's in it's in the mind, it's it's in the it's in the aerial that that component of flight and the wings and all those motifs were running pretty strongly. I also thought about the movie um, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty again, and I just your setups are so helpful here because of the secret dream and the dream you gave away, and and getting that that, that um, contrast there. Uh, it, it should be The Secret Dreams of Walter Mitty. We all know that movie, and he, he kind of breaks out and comes into awareness of uh, he's, he's, the, he's the gem. He's the, he's the, um, uh, the epitome, the quintessence of life. 
And so I, I love seeing that play out in this movie. I've never seen this before, but it really hits me in particular because one of my, my a prayer that came through for me that I use regularly in, in prayer, and I'll, and I'll read it, and I've shared this before, but I'll, I'll read it, and it's called On Wings, of e- On Wings Like Eagles. And this is just a prayer that I, I use, but this may—I'll I'll share it, and then I'll, I'll have a comment on it. But it says the prayer is, "Come, you who comes flying from the region of light, like an eagle of fire, come into my dark night. Come, Holy Spirit, come, my lucent feathered friend, awaken me from dreams. Come, light me up within. Come, be you my vision, your gentle voice, my guide." In stillness we join now, come teach me how to fly. Come teach me forgiveness, always and evermore, and on wings like eagles. Come, love, carefree we soar. That's my prayer. And one time when I was in prayer, I focused on the phrase, on on teach me how to fly. And I just, my attention was drawn to that, and I was just questioning, well, what does that mean? What does that even look like? And, and Spirit just responded, and, and I had some fun images of physically trying to fly off and all, you know, in a jet and all that, and was like, no, 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 it's not about that. It's about getting vertical. It's about getting into your right mind. It's about getting uh, off the horizontal time continuum linear trap and learn how to ascend. And then I just was shown the rules of flight, and it was just fascinating, and the Holy Spirit directed me to look up the rules of flight. and. You know, there was thrust. There was the intent. You have to have the thrust. And, and, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that's the intent. That's the prayer. That's the prayer. And that gets it going. You have to, I have to initiate that. And then spirit does the rest, does the heavy lifting. It's, it's, it's called lift. It's just love. Lift me up where I belong. But I have to set it up and get the intent. And I thought, this is so obvious. These are the rules of flight. This is, I'm going to be shown how to fly. And then, of course, there's the counter forces of, of, of drag and gravity. And that just made sense. And that's just the ego's nonsense about non-flight, the Antichrist. But anyway, I just thought this was great. Another note I wrote, um, do I want to be in the instant replay or the holy instant? That, for me, that sums up this movie. Do I, want, I just want to keep repeating this pattern or do I want to see the pattern, see the instant replays, or can I choose again the, the, the holy instant and be guided into that vertical movement? So much, so much to share here. Note after note of just this is really good movie, and, and I, I, I agree with you, boy. It just takes that loop thing, that loop um, component, that that I needed to be shaken loose from that a little bit because maybe I was getting too comfortable with loop movies. You know, we kind of get the loop movie. Those they're always good. They're always good. But this one takes it to a new layer for me, and, and it, 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 I, I take it on. And so, thank you, thank you so much. Um, and I'll shut up now. Um, but this this one really kind of blew my hair back, so to speak. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you for your metaphors, too. They're always good. I'm, I'm hearing the Holy Spirit saying, ladies and gentlemen, there's been a, a gate change. Uh, you are now, can I have your attention? Please move to the Holy Instant. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> there's your gate change. <laughs> you, you got your ticket. Okay. Beautiful. Okay, I'm going to go to Manuel next. Go ahead, Manuel. 
Hi, David. Hi, everyone. Hi, Manuel. Uh, well, it's, uh, as, as Steven said, it for me has been like uh, another layer. Uh, I, I have seen this movie before, but I, I didn't get um, so much of it. Uh, and right now I, I felt so... <clears throat> So related to your comments, David, and, and this uh, this thing like be, being able to see the patterns, but still uh, from the ego and feel trapped and, and, and feel like it was my responsibility to get away. Um, but yesterday I had I had this experience like. I started to feel uh, so tired of it. Um, I started to feel, yeah, I'm I'm really trapped on on the repetition. I'm still, um, and I, I and I knew like I I cannot do it by myself. Uh, I can try to do different things. I can try to take a different way, but. But still, the the answer is not in the form. It's not like, it's not about what I'm doing. Is 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 in the mind. But I I I didn't have the experience before. And and right now in the movie, when I when I saw the guy pushing her away and, and telling her, uh, you need to go right now, and and we cannot see each other again. He he was trying to avoid the repetition, uh, doing something in the form. But I mean that that wasn't the, the solution. Get it in the movie, and I think I'm getting it too. <laughs> Yesterday I was feeling so so angry, and and I I was feeling this frustration, and I just I just uh, let it come, and and. I feel guided to open the course and, and I read this beautiful line and it was just a line that get my attention right away like says in the manual for teachers you cannot be angry at facts you are, you are always angry uh, at your perceptions and and still I, I, I was feeling but I, I kind of I kind of get it at that point like yeah i'm i'm just uh, falling in the ego trick in the ego streak and and i just pray about it and and today is just like a lot of symbols of okay like like um the spirit is is actually here is with me uh he's giving me these songs he's he's guiding me to feel whatever i feel and then this movie with your comments, uh, yeah, I feel like like definitely I I experienced something different. Even even when when I was watching the movie, I have this sensation like we were talking about uh, last week, like this amnesia, spiritual amnesia, because I was watching the movie and I was feeling yeah, I have the feeling like I haven't seen the movie, but I feel totally different. I feel I feel from from a, a, a different place, a totally different place, and it was like kind of disturbing because I feel lost. 
for for moments, certain moments, I feel totally lost. Like, okay, I'm watching the movie, but but I'm watching it from a different angle, and and it feels like I haven't watched it, but I but I I, I have. So <laughs> it was like like interesting experience like happened to me today. But yeah, thank you so much, David. Thank you all all of us. Uh, thank you everyone for for being here. Beautiful, Manuel. Thank you. We love it that you're on this ride with us and you're just sharing from your heart. And I think that it just you feel better when you're able to talk about it a bit. It's it can be a way of clarifying things too. And isn't it nice to be able to watch watch it on the big screen and watch some characters going through some things because it 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 sometimes we need that. It's a little softer approach than uh, us. Thinking of our ourself and our mind, uh, it can be a bit of pressure and threatening to the ego. But sometimes we see the characters go through it, and we can learn through their uh, experiences. So I feel like that's part of the mind training is to learn from the experiences of others. So every time we do this, we uh, we get that opportunity to help us. So thank you. Thank you for your soul and your heart to hang in there. Okay, I'll go to Susan next. Go ahead, Susan. Hi, David. Hi, everyone. Can you hear Hi, me? Susan. Yep, we can hear Hi. you. Hi. I'm not on camera because I told Linda and a couple of others um, I was in the car for the whole movie. And I just walked upstairs, and I'm holding two books because I have to read out of them. But I, I had to come on because this this movie, I think I say it every week, or I, if I don't say it, I know I'm thinking it and feeling it. But this was also so extraordinary, so amazing. Um, first of all, I think it's a miracle I'm even online with you because I have no internet. The uh, internet seemed to be knocked off by the hurricane that passed through the Northeast yesterday. And, well, I just want to go back for a moment. The film seems so familiar. I don't think I saw this movie, unless I saw it with you. But it was so, so familiar. And I think, you know, maybe, well, I'm from New York City, and I was a dancer, and I was certainly um, in that train station thousands of times, and... You know, it's all very, very familiar. My, my husband was an artist and a dancer. I mean, it was just too close to home in a way. So the whole film was, was emotional. But, but here's the thing. Um, suddenly in the middle of the movie, I was thinking, why am, I, why am I in my car in the dark? Well, I don't have internet. Spectrum's not working. And the name of the hurricane, which I can pronounce, is something like, Isaias or something. And I looked it up on my phone quickly, and it's Isaiah, plural in Spanish. So then I had to look it up in English. I mean, this is why I'm listening to you and watching the movie. And I went to Isaiah 22, 2, okay, in the Bible, which is on my lap and in my arms. Okay. So it reads... I will place on his shoulder, of course, this is God speaking. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. 
What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. So I'm in the car like, oh my gosh. Um, Then like the last words of Dylan are, the universe opens to show us what's truly possible. And I feel that quote is symbolizing, listen to David. He is opening to us. He is showing us what's truly possible. You know, because only you, in my experience, have interpreted the Course, you know, like this, in its truth. So, you know, growing up, I had a lot of patterns, a lot of synchronicities. That's why this all felt familiar. But when I read that Bible passage, I just felt so grateful. Because it could have read anything, but that's what it says in Isaiah 22, too. (laughs) (laughs) So that is just great. Um, Uh, A real mind opener. And and it's because of the interpretation. You know, I know I wouldn't have seen all that if it wasn't for your interpretation. Um, Oh, and then last night, I shared this with Esther, but it was at 2.22 a.m. when I felt to turn my fan on on my phone just to have a little white noise. Uh, Because we didn't have electric. We had nothing. No electric, no internet. So at 2.22, I hit the fan, and then my fan goes on. The electric went on. So like the moment I hit the phone to turn on my phone fan, the real electric came on. And boy, was I smiling. I said, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) But it was like a little tiny miracle. It's like, yeah, we're still with you, you know, even through this when it looks like a hurricane, when it looks like you don't have internet or electric, just at that moment at 2.22 a.m. And then in the music in this film, so much about your home, your already home, it was so beautiful. And then I'll just end with this too. Our lesson 2.22, thank God, is God is with me. I live and move in him. You know, and the little prayer is, Father, we have no words except your name upon our lips and in our minds as we come quietly into your presence now and ask to rest with you in peace a while. So, very emotional film. Thank you so much. Sorry I'm not on camera. It's been quite a, <laughs> quite a 24 hours, but here we are. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Susan. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I, I truly, thank you for bringing the music from the movie too, because I really, I like that. I like that sequence when it was just singing, grow, grow, you know, <laughs> it's such a, a, a movie of growth, of, of opening up, and yeah, I like the soundtrack there too, so. And it's nice to hear a quote from Isaiah, because we, we don't hear that very often, but 222 in Isaiah, uh, yay for Isaiah, the prophet. He scores tonight. <laughs> okay, Julie. So Julie waving her hand. Go ahead, Julie. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Julie. Thank you for for this beautiful night and movie. It hits uh, home and this. Um, um, it brought 
um, up a little bit of how can I put it? When I see when I see repetitions, I it, it's funny because I, I've always been like that. It's like when I see a repetition or a pattern that, like you say, it um, kind of uh, kind of gives me anxiety. <laughs> As, uh, scares me maybe um, whereas when I um, I let's say I, I, I travel or I, I I travel and I don't have too much uh, fixed things that I know ahead of time that's going to be there it's like a as if I feel freer yes and more like it's like safer and more guided than if i am in a in a loop or in a in a in a very uh you know stable pattern um it, it, it's like it reminds me more of the present moment I guess, when I don't know what's next. Even though, it, it, if, if I think of it, yes, I, I see a pattern anyways, <laughs> even in, 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 in that way of living, um, in a way. But I'm more, it, it's like my mind is, is more... Um, in, in the moment. Uh, and, and right now, my, uh, I, I wanted to um, talk about the, uh, my process of unwinding process where I am. Like today, I was in a, in a space of uh, how, can I, how can I put it? as if I was caught in, in a corner. And um, so I, 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 I was just grateful that it was Wednesday <laughs> for, because I knew I was going to be with you all and And have the opportunity of of uh, of uh, going through that, and so there's a lot of, of fear around um, the financial unwinding, and um, um, I, I started the process of uh, you know contacting people to help me to help and guide me through that. And so I've been doing steps <laughs> um, that I feel are guided, even though I, I, I have the belief that I will never be able to, like today. I, I, I'm not, like sometimes I, I have that, that belief that 
I I won't like I won't I won't I won't be able to like I I'm not gonna make it. And and I feel uh, alone. And I when I when I'm I'm stuck in in that in those thoughts, the last thing that I want to do is reach out and talk about it. So that's why. I, I, I I guess I want to talk about it tonight. And just saying that uh, I feel uh, that it's too big for me. <laughs> and that I'm not worth it <laughs> of guidance and And, and my yeah and it's and 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 then when I talk about it it's it's strange because of course I feel like this is silly why why would a financial situation would block me from uh, my awakening <laughs> you know what's so it, it, it's like a, a battle in, in my in my in my head, like kind of, you know, that I I watch uh, and financial and my awakening. <laughs> so so when I see a film like that, it helps me break through, like. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it, it's a, it's a reminder. Oh yeah, that's right. All those those serendipity that that are happening in in my life, and all the miracles that are happening in my life are there. Like they're real. And so, um, so that's that that's it <laughs> for tonight. I. I am very grateful to be here and and to have you all with me and to continue and to move forward and one step at a time. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Yeah, we're right there with you. Thank you for sharing all that. That's beautiful. Beautiful. See, Esther has her hand up again. Go ahead, Esther. This is a form question, David. Back to the trust protector clause of the special needs trust. <laughs> My mom doesn't want the clause in as far as she can, can tell. And I remember you said in one of the things, um, never command, demand, and always give the person the option to decide for themselves. Should I approach it like that? Yeah, I think that's that's part of your uh, relationship with your mother and, and, and following the guidance. But yeah, it's it's always a great rule to observe about uh, not commanding, demanding. I think that's in one of the Slava's songs. But the, mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and you cannot demand. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a line in, in the Clarity song. Yeah. So 
That's good. I know you enjoy uh, Svava's music, so you can, if you have that temptation come up, you can play that clarity song, uh, which is so soft and gentle, but it's just that gentle reminder. Yeah. So that's beautiful. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you everyone. It's another beautiful uh, Wednesday and um, yeah, these movies, it's like the gift that keeps on giving because we uh, had Marina doing a, a simultaneous translation into Spanish, so that will uh, come up on Friday, Friday morning. Maybe, Manuel, you can even have a double dip uh, if you want. Uh, yeah, he's got his thumb up. Like I, I said that tonight, before we left, I said, I think Manuel's double dipping on our, on our movies. He's having a great time. And then we also have the, the one for the Europe uh, tomorrow. So it's a triple dip, a triple dip ice cream cone. These, uh, these movies really uh, get a lot of, uh, of, of mileage there from the Holy Spirit. So we're really loving it. And so thank you all. And I really look forward to seeing you again. And um, we, this was a good lead in to our uh, Beyond the Body. <laughs> There's our mascot dancing. <laughs> Peter, there it is. <laughs> bright, bright, bright. So we're going to do our Beyond the Body starting on uh, Friday, uh, our, our weekend retreat. And then, um, yeah, as I said, uh, we just came up with the theme for the, for the September uh, online retreat, which will be um, transparency, no people-pleasing, and no private thoughts. So this movie was a really good one, uh, a good launch for that too. Because it's it had a lot of that, and especially with the relationships, I always just keep remembering that that we have real thoughts and true thoughts that it's great to share and extend. In fact, those are the ones that we actually can share and extend. And then the, just exposing the private thoughts is just letting go of this uh, crazy belief that we can hold things apart to just ourselves, apart from everybody else which is uh, basically a secret attempt, but it shows us more and more as we do these movies, uh, yeah, it's not worth trying that ego attempt because it doesn't bring any happiness and joy. So, thank you from us in here in Mexico and wherever you are. We love you and God bless you and we'll see you again, hopefully next week or whenever you can make it. <laughs>